5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by name on the Royce Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. Shining roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to episode 269 of Minas and Molly's. We're continuing our trip through the vault because we're still in a strike, a double strike. Yep, we're gonna be here for a very long time. Yep. So we're going through episodes four today. So Chicago Med 104, Fire 104, PD 104. Um, sorry about the delay. Again, um, a little thing happened last week in pop culture that kind of shook me to the core. And I died and came back to life. Pretty and then pretty, died again. And yeah, pretty pretty much, pretty much. And so um, the the day we were supposed to record, I was just I was just not at my best. So I was like, we need to just kind of. Push this through time. And you died again on. since then. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've died twice. Um, I, I've pulled a Dean Winchester and died twice and come back twice. So we'll we'll get there. Are you we'll gonna die again for a third time when the full song comes out? Yes. Okay. Yes. I figured. And then Lance and Joey like literally just posted something maybe like fifteen or twenty minutes ago about like something new that's coming for the holidays. So I'll probably die when that happens too. From in sync. I, I don't know, because it, it's literally just a snippet of Lance and Joey. Like, it's the, the POV is supposed to be like you're looking through a keyhole. And they both have presents in their hand and pie. And Joey says, open up, boys. We brought pie, boys. Interesting. Boys. So we'll get there. We'll we'll catch up. We'll catch up in a few. So, yeah. Uh, sorry about the delay, but I'm, I'm back. I'm trying my best to be, like, super focused. It's trying to, like, divert my brain. But... Yeah. It's just like, I feel like I'm 12 again, but this time with social media. So it's a different ballgame. But whatever. You guys don't want to hear about that. So I will shut up. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let's start off with a a strike update because that's where we always start. So I thought we would start this time. I thought we would start with the Drew Barrymore situation because I feel like there are some details in there that we can talk about that would kind of iron out some questions and conflicts going on. Even though now she's fixed her situation yeah there there is there is an update to this but okay so i thought we'd start out with the drew barrymore situation and just kind of get some things straight so as you guys know drew barrymore was supposed to start her talk show again go back into production that's great everything but it's not great because the strikes are still happening so a lot of people were really confused saying well why why is she only violating the wga contract and not the sag contract there was a really good thread put out there by a writer and they, the writer just explained that she's not scabbing under SAG because talk shows are covered under a completely different contract. We're only focused on one type of contract right now and that's streaming, TV, and film. Not exa- I don't think that's exactly the name, but that's the one that, that's the contract that's striking right now. Talk shows, different contract. We don't have to worry about that. So she's not scabbing under SAG. She is scabbing under the WGA. And you're probably thinking, but she's Drew Barrymore. She's not a writer. Why? Why is this a big deal? She has writers. 
she, yeah, it's a big deal because she has writers and scabbing by definition is taking the place of a struck worker. That is the definition of scabbing. And Drew is doing exactly that. So I think it's interesting, though, that like, and I'm not saying what Drew was trying to do was right or wrong, because I do think that was not her best move. But I think it's interesting that like Jennifer Hudson was supposed to premiere yet tomorrow, too. And she's now said that like, they're pushing that back, too. Yeah, I feel like I barely until like today, I barely heard anything about that. It was all true. Yeah, uh, the talk is the talk has pushed their premiere as well um, to to a time when the strikes are over, whenever that may be. But it's interesting because so like, but Mark and Kelly can still do it, but I guess they don't have writers, and that's why they can do it. Oh, I guess so. Because that is definitely like a a different kind of show, but I guess they don't have writers. They just have producers who come up with like the ideas. That's true. I haven't really been paying attention to the guests that they've had recently, but I wonder what that consists of. Well, I know like, for example, I know they definitely had like Carrie and Anaba last week. And I think, you know, but that would be, that's not SAG. That's, you know, reality TV. So like that I think is okay. And, like, I know, for example, like, they had, like, Charity from The Bachelor and her, I don't know his name, her fiancé from The Bachelorette. Like, I, but, like, again, that's not SAG. So, like, I don't think they've had really a ton of SAG, I mean, or any SAG guests. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's tricky kind of understanding what happens where and how certain things are working. Um. But yeah, she's so she's got she well, she was scamming under the WGA contract. She posted an apology video this week where it was all one of those like, I'm sorry if I hurt anyone, if air quotes, uh, posted one of those like videos where she was basically crying about it. And then as of today, which is Sunday, the day we're recording as of today, she finally kind of took everything into consideration and listened to those less privileged around her and said, hmm, maybe this is a bad idea. And so she has, she has since paused the, she's paused the premiere of her talk show until the strike is over. So that is the update there. I think it is a good thing though. And I saw this a lot on Twitter that like, I do think it is a good thing that like she learned from like criticism and was like, okay, maybe I was wrong and did the right thing in the end. Yeah. But that's something we obviously very rarely see happen is like people apologize, but they never actually learn from their mistakes and like do the thing that people were asking them to do. Right. So. Right. Right. And I keep seeing posts online. You'll see these big actors who will speak at rallies and stuff like that. And a lot of the comments will be like, they make enough money. Why do they need more? It's not for them, but they're showing up at these rallies to show solidarity with the ones who are striking for said fair wage and so for her to keep her show going would have just been a completely blind show of privilege so it is good that she listened to those around her so yeah that's the drew barrymore situation um it came to an end so that's something came to an end unlike the strikes which are not going anywhere anytime soon Yeah. Uh, yeah so there were also two articles that dropped at the end of last week which were complete like studio propaganda 
or I'm sorry, AMPTP propaganda. So you probably saw a couple of articles. I think one was from Deadline. Another one was from, yeah. So one was Deadline and one was from TV Line. And both of them were just kind of talking about how the shows need to get back to work by a certain date to salvage the fall season. That's, I, I mean, it doesn't really take an idiot to know that that's complete bullshit. I think all of us know that the fall season is probably scrapped at this point the whole 2023-2024 season is like done in my mind yeah it doesn't exist no it's scrapped i mean fall is i mean we're in fall fall is not happening we would be getting the shows back next week yeah yeah we probably would have already gotten some shows this week depending Mm -hmm. on you know the network yeah so it's just mid-season is like best case scenario I don't even see that happen. There's no, no way mid-season's happening. No, me neither, because they need to... Like, I do strike, like, think... I mean, like, I was even reading in, like, I think it was the Fox one, that basically they're like, it would take eight weeks. So, mm-hmm. like, to get what... Well, hold on, I'm trying to see where I saw that. It was... Uh, I don't know. Somewhere it said it was, like, eight weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, TV line, or Source Tell TV line, that would take scripted shows roughly eight weeks to get back into production. That's not even, like, for the shows to be filmed, like, an episode to be filmed. That's eight weeks to get back to production. Yep. So, there's no way it could happen for winter. And then it's got to take another eight weeks for them to film. If at that. least. Yeah. At least. Yeah. We're looking at four, at least four months of lead time. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Um the the article from Deadline was basically a quote from Netflix's CFO saying, you know, air quotes, like, we need to get back to work because that's what we're focused on. If you were focused on that, you would be actively negotiating with both unions and you wouldn't be feeding the WGA a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And you you'd can go make that. a separate deal like that. You don't have to go through the AMTP, whatever. Those dumbasses. Oh my god, it's so bad. So both of those articles were just like really maddening because it's like stop gaslighting the writers and actors into caving. Stop it. Yeah, you're just wasting your time when you could actually be negotiating a fair deal. Yep. So frustrating. So, uh, there was another update. Apparently, the WGA and the AMPTP should be returning to the table this week. Uh, but hopefully it's worthwhile, right? Because all the other meetings have just been the AMPTP being like, blowing smoke up their ass. Right. Like just like a tiny, even if it's like a little bit of progress, it's like, okay, something to show that we're moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Something to show that the AMPTP is taking them seriously. Yeah. It's insane. There have been a lot of things online, like showing, you know, how much money the studios are losing. And it's so much more than it would be if they just gave them a fair deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really, really maddening. And like, I I mean, I don't want to speak for Brian, but like, I miss TV. Oh, I so miss it. I miss it so bad. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. That's really your strike update. Fingers crossed for something with the WGA and the APTP. But also, like, you can't have one without the other. So why are I you... I was going to say, like, it's... I mean, I hope... I, I want the WGA to get their deal. Because, like, you know, we know people who are WGA. Like, I want them to have their fair deal. But then, like, that still doesn't really get us anywhere. Right. I mean, in terms of television coming back. 
Right. So both unions need their fair deals. Baseball. Yeah. Oh my goodness. In happier news, uh, we got the Dancing with the Stars cast that dropped this week. Thank God. I <laughs> needed that. I needed it. I yeah. Needed it. So you, you want to kind of highlight that one since you're uh you speak it more fluently than I do. <laughs> The highlight is a strong word because it's uh, it's an okay cast. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some uh, as Jimmy Fallon says, there's some controversy with a couple of the the cast people. But just take it away. I mean, yeah. So the cast got announced on Wednesday. It had kind of leaked at like I don't know, like twenty or thirty minutes beforehand um, on Twitter. And like as soon as I saw it, I was like this is okay i was like i was kind of underwhelmed i was like i knew who most of them were but i was like this is not my favorite cast um not my favorite cast it's not and yeah like gina said there's some controversial contestants namely adrian peterson and jamie lynn spears yeah yep uh, the 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 Adrian Peterson discussions that have been going down are it's intense. It's intense. It's yeah. I mean, I I know people have feelings about Jamie Lynn Spears, but I if you're trying to come, which there is no really comparison, but like I would much rather have Jamie Lynn Spears on the show than Adrian. No, I I'm I, I'm with like, you. It's I mean they've always had like controversial. You know, I mean, like, they've had, like, Sean Spicer. I mean, like, they've always had, like, controversial, but I feel like nowhere near the level of Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to remember someone who was as bad as he was, is. Yeah, I mean, that there's two different versions, right? So so they, they learned pretty quickly on Dancing with the Stars to stay away from politicians, right? Because you had Sean Spicer and you had Rick Perry. And I don't think they've stayed. I don't think they've learned to stay away. I just don't think they've picked anyone here recently. I think they would go back to someone if they found the right person. You think? Mm-hmm. Man, I really got to stop giving people the benefit of the doubt because I, yeah. I, I don't know. I was, I, I, I thought they, they would have learned a lesson, but maybe not. But I don't think they've ever had somebody problematic i'm trying I, i'm trying to think back cause... i can't think of anyone i mean yeah people who didn't like people didn't like like i mean people don't like um tanya harding people don't like but like that's a different like people don't like jamie lynn spears but like i wouldn't call her you know she doesn't have like she's not hitting her children she's not hitting her spouse like you know like she's not doing those things right like right. I like I said, there's people that people don't like all the time and that don't think they should be cast on the show or whatever, but like Adrian Peterson's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. yeah. And it's even more puzzling that they paired him with an absolute angel of a pro that is Brit. I mean, the thing is, it's like it was gonna be puzzling whoever they got, you know, because like the whole cast is amazing. But I think what really bothers me is that people are like oh, well, Britt, you should just stop doing this or, like, I'm not going to root for you because... And, like, I get it. Like, I'm not necessarily going to vote for... I can't vote for Adrian and Britt. Like, I'm just not going to. But to, like, be saying all that and, like, to be saying it to Britt, like, or put it on her Instagram comments, I'm just like, that's... that's it's not far. Britt's fault. Like, no. this is Britt's livelihood. Like, she's going to do her job. She's going to show up. She's going to be a pro. And that's going to be what it is. 
Yeah, and 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 we talked about this briefly the night before because Sharna Burgess has just dropped her own podcast and she is spilling tea. Uh, and one of the things that she spilled, she, so the the very first episode of her podcast, she basically talked about how when she had a certain partner, she didn't name him, but everybody did the math. When she was paired with Jesse Metcalf, she could not be alone with him in the room because yeah, it got to the point where she couldn't. Yeah, it was it was that bad. Their relationship was that bad. And so coming off the heels of that, this is really, really bad. The second thing that Sharna said on her second episode is that if she had been paired with him, if she had been asked back to the season and been paired with him, she said she would have just walked right out because she can't imagine that. And so I, I posed the question to you. I said, OK, but if we let's think about this from Britt's point of view, she's a relatively new pro. She doesn't have the kind of pull that she can do that. If she says I'm going to walk off, they're just going to say bye. Yeah, she's had three seasons under her belt. I can't remember how many Sharna's had, but way more than that. But even then, like, I, and I was telling you this, I can't imagine anyone, any of the pros, like, if they, not even just about walking out because of Adrian Peterson being their partner, but, like, and just any kind of suggestion, like, I, maybe Derek, if he was still, like, a pro, but, like, I can't think of them doing anything just because a pro asked for it or said it or whatever. Because, like, in kind of the opposite news, I've been seeing a lot of people saying, oh, well, Lindsay got Riley on the show. Lindsay did this. Lindsay got, you know, Lindsay's who got Riley on the show. And it's, like, Lindsay even said in some interview or something, she was, like, if you think I had any chance and, like, any say in getting her that interview, then, like, you're dreaming. Like, that's not i have no say over anything yeah everyone's replaced so, i don't think any show. of them have any say over anything mm-hmm. like i said derek if he was still competing maybe but like even then i don't have, know how much he would have even though we don't like even though the, the cast is kind of uh, you know it's kind of whatever i think my money is on social gomez and val to win the season oh yeah have you seen her on tiktok yes that's exactly yeah. why I'm, I'm, my, my money's on I, that. Sochi and Val, for sure. I think Jason and Daniela are, are going to be really good. Um, and I'm just, I'm really excited to see Riley as her, in her first season as a pro. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. And, and all of Lindsay's TikTok, she says she's like, Riley's a better dancer than me. Riley's so good. And she was good when she was on Juniors, too. Like, Dance of Stars Juniors. Like, Riley was already good at however old she was then. 13. 14 forever um yeah so i'm really excited yeah i i just i i, I love that show it, it is gonna be i, I imagine the first episode is gonna be kind of somber since it's the first season back without len yeah strictly come dancing which len was also a judge on in which is like the uk version they did like i guess it just came back or whatever and they did like this big len tribute and i was watching it and i was like and i don't even know any of those people who were like speaking but it was just like it was even that was like hard to watch yeah so yeah um i also feel like going back to jamie lynn spears for two seconds i also feel like it is important to note that she is donating her entire dancing with star salary to the wga and sag Feel like that we is just throw that out there. Yeah, that I feel is like good. I know she's going to get a lot of hate, and I'm not saying that's a reason to vote for her and Alan, but I do think that is a really great thing that she's doing, and I feel like we shouldn't like. Yeah, people want to say whatever they're going to say about her, and that's fine. But I do think that's important to remember because I do think that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'm excited too. I you know it's going to be it's going to feel good to curl up on the couch on on a Monday night with a blanket and just like it's not Mondays it's Tuesdays 
I knew that. It's just testing you. Is there this year they're moving it to Tuesdays? Well, it's gonna be nice to curl up on the couch with a blanket on Tuesday nights and yeah. uh text you basically. Yeah. I mean I, yeah. I feel like every time the casts get announced for like every season, I go into my like dancing with the stars hole and it's like all I want to talk about, all I want to think about, all I want to rewatch on YouTube. I'm just like, just give it to me already. Like yeah. bring it back. Yeah. A typical dancing with the stars night for me and Bryna is I'm curled up on the couch. She's she's watching it too. And literally the text back and forth are that dress is stunning. That dance was so good. Oh my God, Derek's so hot. Like that's literally just it. At least we don't have to talk about how much Tyra sucks this year. That is true. Silver lining. I do think like just from watching the little bit on the GMA stuff, like Julianne and Alfonso already have like 20 bajillion times better chemistry, which makes yeah. sense because they've been friends for a while. So yeah, um, I'm already just like 10 times more excited for that. The world needs that show right now. It, I I really need it. I need it in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And it's interesting. The Adrian Peterson thing is interesting because there's a point that gets brought up in this episode of Med that we're going to talk about that. I mean, they kind of intertwine a little bit. So yeah, just interesting. So um, can can we talk about NSYNC? Yeah. Last week was important. Um, Was it the single greatest week of your life besides your wedding week? dude my wedding week was so stressful so stressful oh my god so you put in sync above that <laughs> when you phrase it that way i can't really say i can't agree with it when you when you phrase it that way but yes uh, well, because there's no singular day this week that was like you know i could say like oh was it better than your wedding day so i just had to phrase it like wedding week it was quite literally the whole week the whole week yeah so in in the days before social media and everything we all know Gina was an NSYNC fan, right? So I, I feel like a lot of people who know me now who didn't know me then are kind of learning a whole new side of me. So yeah, back in the day, NSYNC was my jam. And so um, there had been rumors for weeks flying around that they, I mean, we all knew they, they were up to something. There were rumors flying around. But then everybody started doing detective work and realizing, wait a second, they're all in New York City at the same time. And the VMAs are happening on Tuesday. So there was a day that happened where JC never posts on social media. He's like, Hardly ever. He's very private with his life and he's been posting a lot more lately. Well, his manager posted something on Instagram on like maybe Saturday or Sunday, maybe even Monday. I don't even remember what day it was. He posted something in one of those days leading up and it was just a shot of him and JC on a private plane. And it didn't say that where they were headed, but he tagged it what airport they were leaving from. I may or may not have engaged in some light detective work to see if I could crack where he was going. But I wasn't the only one in my defense. So, um, yeah, the the internet oh, yeah. deduced. I'm not yeah, surprised. no, I, I I definitely I get very easily distracted, as we all know, and that I was just like, you know, let's just do a quick internet search, and the quick internet search turned into a rabbit hole, a rabbit hole. Yeah. So, uh, we all figured that out. The internet figured out he was flying into New Jersey, and then it dropped on Tuesday that they were presenting. So, for the first time in like two decades, I watched all of the VMAs. That was a trip. I feel like, though, if you weren't on Twitter, then you had no idea. Or, like, if you weren't on social media. Because, like, when it happened and Taylor Swift's reaction, I feel like that was, like, everyone, if you had no idea it was coming. Yeah. Because you weren't on social media. Yeah. So yeah. some people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's happening. And I was like, really? Like, I feel like if you were just on Twitter today, like, 
even if you're not an NSYNC fan girl, like you would have known. Yeah. 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 So the VMAs happened. I definitely screamed. Charlie was downstairs watching TV. And I like when the minute that like Nicki Minaj was like NSYNC, I was like, oh my God. And then Charlie came up and he was like, I heard you screaming. I was like, sorry, like whatever. But yeah, I watched all four and a half hours of the VMAs for the first time since probably 2001. I passed out. I made it for a while and then I passed out. And then I was like, I don't care. I thought they were going to make you people wait for like three and a half hours to get to sync, And it was like 20 minutes. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I what too. is this? Yeah, I did too. Um, everybody on NSYNC, TikTok, Twitter, all of it. All of us were joking around. We're like, man, that was really nice of them to do it in the first 20 minutes because they know we're old and we got to go to bed. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was good. So that happened. And then the Trolls trailer dropped like, two days later or something and like yeah this just we've been we, we and had then a there week. was the behind the scenes video of them like in the studio and yeah. i know you died oh I, I died every time i saw them together like happy tears happened because it's just like it just felt so right seeing them back together well and then the tiktok of them then, being yeah. like i know something do you know something da, 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 da. Yeah, every time one of them would post something with the five of them together, I was just like, oh, my fucking God. I was like, this is actually happening before my eyes in the year 2023. Like, I am actually in my mid to late 30s watching NSYNC do something right now, and it's new. Okay, so I know that there's obviously the big rumor that it's like, oh, they're going to go on tour, blah, 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 blah. But then I've also seen the like that Justin's going on tour by himself. So, like, this is kind of like it. What do you think it is? Okay, so there there are a couple updates on that front. So Justin is putting out a new album next year. The rumor is is that he has placed a lot of, he's placed hold dates with a lot of arenas across the U.S. As in nothing's official yet, but Homeboy's planning a tour. So I think that's pretty safe to say. Now, Joey this weekend has been at 90s Con in Tampa. I'll get there in a second because yes, I was there. And in his panel today, he basically said, he's like, well, you know, Justin's going to have his stuff going on. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Justin's new album will be dropping next year. As far as in sync, the other thing Joey said in his panel today at 90s con is that it's all going to depend upon the label. The label needs to know that the fans want it. And from there. Yeah, from That's there. That's so it'll... stupid because I feel like the fans have been asking for it for 20 whatever years. Like. I don't know. That seems stupid to me, but yeah. But I, I mean, I think if you're like, if you're like an old white guy exec in like his 40s or 50s or something, you're not as keyed in on the elder millennial demographic as you know. I guess, but I don't know. I feel like that's a stupid reasoning, but so what, that what that do is, I know. That is what Joey has said: is that it's all going to depend. We we basically got to let the labels know that we want it. Which like, bruh, hang out around an NSYNC fan for like five seconds and. We'll tell you. We'll tell you. So, um, yeah. So I don't. I don't think anything is planned right now beyond the single. But we'll make enough noise that I think we'll get something out of it. Which is what a time. I know. I cannot believe I'm like. Gonna, I'm going to be like inches from turning forty and prepping to go to an instant concert. What? What? All your money is just like gone downhill oh hell yeah hell yeah it I'm, no longer exists and i'm i'm i i've accepted it i'm just like okay all right i've accepted my fate so justin does this thing where he will he will quite literally announce a new album and 
he'll like so like let's say tomorrow out of the blue he's like hey new album's coming this date the next day he will drop tour dates and say the pre-sale starts tomorrow yeah so you've just got to be ready to drop money on it at like 10 seconds notice you basically already have to be saving now yes for the anticipation yes of whenever it may be could be in next week it could be in three months yes. who knows yep yep it's exactly what he did with Man of the Woods. He was like, my album's coming out. Oh, by the way, here's some tour dates and the pre-sale starts tomorrow. Yeah. It's wild. wild and how time. many I, shows at that concert did you go to? Three, right? Four. Four? Four? Because he did, he did one in 18. Three? Four? I'm looking over at my uh, set here. Because you have like a man at the woods. I like just lit. remember, weren't there like two shows in Dallas? Or that's it. That's two it. Shows in Dallas, and then you flew to Connecticut or whatever. So yeah, so in, in 2018, he played two nights in Dallas, and we were going to go just once. And then I knew I was like, no, I got to go both nights. So we went both nights. And then 19, he came back for a date. And then later in 2019, we went to the very last show of the tour in Connecticut. Yeah, so four, four. His tour was two years long the the man of the woods tour was i remember i remember the 2020 tour was like around the world homeboy was in russia he was all over the place i could have sworn that like you went to the dallas shows like those two dallas shows and then like connecticut was like three months later i could have sworn that was how it went no that yeah he his tour spanned because he he did like a part one of the tour and then a part two of the tour jesus yeah yep four times i regret nothing I mean, I didn't say that. I just, I could have sworn those were like, so you were doing the pod back then. So I remember all of that. But like, I could, Jesus, I could have sworn that was like a much smaller break between them. I remember FaceTiming you just so I could show you where the stage was. And it was like over my shoulder. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And then so. you like the videos and uh, yeah, I remember all the play by plays. I'm ready, but I'm not ready. Like, I'm ready, but. I'm also like, oh man, there's a certain degree of like stress and planning that comes with that that I'm not ready for. But yeah. it's exciting. It's so exciting. Just, you know, to get your like childhood slash teenage favorite thing in the world back as an adult. It's really Oh, exciting. I know. I got it back. I yeah. had mine come back. Yeah. I got the Jonas Brothers back and I'm never letting them go. So I get it. Yeah, it's incredible. So it's just, I've just been kind of like floating all week. It's just been... Yeah, it's exciting. And just seeing them all together and how like they just they just never miss a beat when they're together. It's just like they pick up from where they left off. And so that's great. And then I was in Tampa um, Thursday and th- no, Friday, Friday and Saturday, Friday and part of Saturday. Yeah, um, was in Tampa. Uh, Joey was there for 90s con as were AJ, Nick and Howie from the Backstreet Boys. Joey and AJ did a concert together on Friday night. And that is the reason I went. I didn't go for 90s con. I went for the concert. Um, I have a friend who lives there. And she sent me the link like weeks ago and was like, do you want to go to this concert? And I was like, hell yes, I do. Hell yes. I have not had that much fun at a concert since I was 12. Really? Oh my God. It was so much fun. It was Joey and AJ quite literally just singing NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And then there were other 90 songs like mixed in. So they did, they did Smells Like Teen Spirit. They did uh, My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. They did No Diggity, which is a great one. Uh, yeah, just the the scream that came out of me when they sang Space Cowboy, like teenage me just like escaped out of my mouth. It was, yeah. It was awesome. It's great. So 
I got my NSYNC tattoo while I was there. It's on my Instagram. I got to show Joey yesterday. I did get to meet Joey. So that was amazing. Um, so now I have, I have met three of the five members of NSYNC. Three of the five. Yep. So JC, Justin, if you're out there, hey girl, call me. It's going to happen. Oh, only. <laughs> so that's your NSYNC update. Um, not that any of you wanted to hear that, but whatever. Uh, yeah. So that's about it on the news. Just kind of nothing going on. Same place as always. So we have yeah. all the other news. What other news? No, just like Dance with the Stars news. Yeah. In seat news. We have literally news about everything else except for Chicago's. Yeah. Yeah. We would be getting them back next week. I don't even want to think about it. So, so sad. So, all right. Without further ado, shall we move into these episodes? Yes. All right. We're going to start with Med because we always do. This is Chicago Med season one, episode four, entitled Mistaken. God, this episode was so heartbreaking. Yeah. I I vaguely, vaguely remembered this, but I definitely did not remember all the details on the movie theater shooting and how just like, I mean, because this was what, 2015? 15. It's just like crazy to think how much the world has changed since then, but how much it really hasn't changed since then either. Yeah, big time. Big time. So, all right. I've been talking enough, so I'm going to let Bryna start us off. Yeah, so we start off, and basically it starts off kind of how, like, 911 starts their cases with, like, a focus on someone or on people that we literally have no idea who they are. And so it's like, why are we getting to know this random family? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, who are these people? But basically, that's how it starts. We basically see this random family we don't know going to the movie movies. And we see that they, someone shouts that there's someone with a gun and someone's shooting. And then we see this major stampede happen. Um, and the family gets kind of split up. It's like the dad and then the mom and the little boy. It is a little Girl. boy, right? Girl. Oh, yeah. No, it is a little boy, right? I was going to say, I thought it was a little boy. Um, but the mom's, you know, whatever. So we see this, like, stampede. Meanwhile, over at Med... Conwer has hired a food truck for the day and bought lunch for whoever basically wants it. Um, and he's, you know, trying to do a nice thing. We've talked about, obviously, it's like, why does everyone have, like, a negative rep- you know, idea of Connor? Like, he's trying to basically, like, show that, like, he's a good guy, you know, whatever. He's not um, his dad. Yeah. Will's still not buying it, though. He's like, no, I'm good. He's like, I don't, he's, I'm good. Um, He's like, I brought food. It's fine. And, like, you know, he even says to Natalie and, um, April, he's like, yeah, we get it. He's rich. It's like, dude. Yeah, and I, I, I was so quick to be like, God, he's such a dick. And then I thought about it for a minute, and I was like, okay, he's really just insecure. That's all that's happening in this episode is he's just really insecure, and it's coming out in different ways. Yeah, I still think though, it's like, I think he's also insecure. I think he's also maybe a smidge jealous yeah yeah which i guess you would throw in with insecure when you're insecure sometimes you get jealous but still Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and then we get like 
baby, baby, baby Manstead. Like this is Manstead in the very beginning. You know, Natalie's talking about how like she this her mother-in-law made her this food that she wants to try. And Will's like talking about the fact how he's like, you know, if you ever need anything, I'm here, blah, blah, blah. And even like April catches vibes and Natalie's like, no, we're just friends. Like, no, 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 we are just friends. So. Yeah, the early days of Manstead. Like, the early, early days of Manstead. Um, and then they all of a sudden get interrupted, and basically, they're like, there was a shooting at a theater, we've got, like, a few minutes. And then the Ambos show up literally at that moment, and Will's like, yeah, no, they're here. Um, and yeah, so it's like another manic, um, maniac going crazy in the theaters is the world we live in. Unfortunately, it is still the world we live in eight years later. Yes, well, and it hasn't gotten any better. Yeah. Yeah. So, like we said earlier, the wife got trampled, and it's really bad. She's barely hanging on. Um, And all of a sudden, the husband comes in and is asking about where his wife and his son is. And Maggie even, like, has at one point, because, like, obviously, he comes in through the ED. So, Maggie's back is facing the ED. And at one point, she, like, turns the husband so that, like, he can't see where his wife is being treated um because she knows like i mean it's not gonna be good news here the wife is barely barely hanging on well no and and connor's doing compressions and it's just it's like yeah. it's violent it's something he shouldn't see yeah um so also, brett and chili sighting brett and chili yeah chili i know Ugh, gross um so they also find out that the shooter and the good guy with a gun was basically the shooter ended up getting stopped by this good guy who was just happened to be in the theater and, you know, was concealing carry. So he had a gun on him. But um, basically, they're both en route to med. Can we um, touch on these shots? There's there are these shots throughout the episode of like the news program and like yes. the press and everything. They are so not realistic. Am I the only one who caught this? Yeah, you wouldn't have the press banging on the door to the ED. Like, that no. doesn't happen. No. I mean, like, I, I mean, like, I get that press, like, a lot of times even press, like, I get the people who are like, oh, press hounded the hospital. And, like, yeah, but, like, I feel like even press in real life, like, they're like, okay, we're not going to, like, be banging on the door. We're going to be, like, in the grass across the street. Like, that's, like, unacceptable. It's like, okay, go hang out in the grass across the street. Yeah, it's literally just the shot of the hospital in the background. You're never going to see them, you know, pounding a guy like paparazzi as he gets out of the ambulance. Yeah, that no, 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 no. that's not how this goes. <laughs> um, yeah, and even like it leads Dr. Charles to quote Malcolm X at one point. He's like, because you know, there's like all the versions, and so people have this idea about who the good guy is and you know the guy with that stopped the shooter and then the shooter and so it even leads dr charles at one point to start quoting malcolm x he's like you know the media is the most powerful entity on earth can make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent which is very true i forgot about that quote that is powerful yeah it's very true though completely true. true so then the shooter gets brought in he comes in first technically and Will is being judgy McJudgy face about it. He and even the paramedic too. And Connor's like not having it. No. At all. And I I mean, and obviously Connor handled it the right way. Like Will was being like, I get that you have feelings about it and like your personal feelings are your personal feelings, but like you're a doctor. Like 
this is not how you are supposed to work. It's a little scary to see that, right? That the, you know, the the doctors might judge you for something you did and like therefore put less effort into saving your life. That's, that's scary to think about. Well, yeah, but then that's them breaking their code, you know, like that's literally what they agreed to do when they um, started becoming a doctor is to treat everyone equally. That sounds weird, but you know what I mean. Right. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for Connor in this episode for following it to the letter of the law and like kind of keeping everybody yeah. in line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it gets to the point where, like we said, it's, it's really bad, but they do kind of get the woman barely hanging on. She's hanging on for like a hot second. Um, and it just gets to the point where they, they take her to the OR and then Abrams even like so they bring her back and she's like just laying in the bed and Abrams comes in. So her first Abrams sighting. Mm-hmm. 104. Abrams sighting. Note that for trivia. And, yeah. And but at that point she's basically like gone. She's brain dead. Like yeah. that's it. And it's just to the point because Will's in there and Will's like, this should not have happened. Like this is not what should have happened. Yeah, and and Will Will is acting a lot out of insecurity in this episode but you know i i had to take a moment like re-watching this episode and just be like okay well wait a second he's you know newer in his career than he is now obviously and this might have even been his first mass shooting who knows it it is a lot to process right that's a lot for him and so you know i think that moment where he's standing there looking at the blood and like the aftermath you know that that probably is a lot for him to process and he just doesn't really know how to balance being professional with his own emotions you know i think the thing though is that it's not he's not a newbie though he's a newbie in chicago kind of but like he's been through plastic surgery and before that you do all your training and like yeah like i said it maybe is in his first time in chicago but he's not he's not sarah reese he's not like brand new as a doctor yeah and so i like i get it like sometimes your emotions can take over and like I get it, but like Connor said, it's like this is not our time. Like our job is to basically like treat this patient, and right. you know he can make the comment that like it shouldn't have happened because like no one else is around, but it shouldn't have affected the way that you treat the shooter. Right, right. Well, and even even in that moment with Doctor Abrams, you see the difference between the two. How Abrams is completely unfazed and Will is just like kind of taking the hit you know he's like this shouldn't have happened and Abrams is like if you want to why it's because people suck and then he just walked out right right I think Abrams is kind of the balance that Will needs to find of like yeah I have opinions about it but I'm not gonna let it affect you know my doing my job yeah yep so you have the contradiction of how the shooter's being treated with the good guy with a gun. You know, he basically walks in, like Gina said, he gets out of the ambulance. And which is interesting that he like literally walks out of the ambulance and isn't even on a gurney. He like walks out of the ambulance and um, everyone's like applauding him, thanking him for what he did. I mean, it's like very of stark contrast. Um. And so then later on, you know, the good guy with the gun, basically, at first, it's like, oh, he only has like a cut on his forehead. And like, he he's basically he's gonna be fine. He's not he's not really injured. He's gonna be fine. But it's later on, Maggie makes the observation that I, I agree with Eugene in that line that like, we all should have realized sooner. 
Yeah. That literally everyone else that was injured was injured from the stampede. There was no other gunshot victims except for the shooter. The shooter is the only one that was actually shot. Yep. Yeah. So they, you know, it all starts doing some digging, you know, it starts prompting everything. They even eventually get like Linstead involved, which was like a nice little plot twist because I was like, oh, hi, Jay. Hi, Aaron. Like, I mean, nice for us, not nice for the good guy. Yeah. 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 And so basically what we come to find out, you know, they start doing questioning and he's like, well, what's going on? And basically they find out was the shooter had a leaf blower. It wasn't a gun. He's someone who basically makes viral pranks and puts them on the internet. So. Yeah. Isn't and so he- he's not going to be charged. I mean, he's not going to be charged. You know, if he was in self-defense, like he- it's not something he's going to, you know, get arrested for, but in the kid will, because the kid, I mean, kid still did a lot of bad things, but like, it's still just the circumstances of how this ended up going. Yeah. Yeah. Is it me or did this seem like a bigger deal in 2015 than it is now? Because hearing that he had a leaf flow and not actually a gun, I'm like, yeah, of course he got shot. I'm not phased at all. I just can't remember if it was like, if this really was a bigger deal in 2015 that we were like, oh my God, he got shot, but he didn't do anything. Um, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't watching live back then, but like, I imagine it would. It's just really sad but how I desensitized think- we've become. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like a lot of it has to do with, like, how desensitized we've become to gun violence and um, just mass shootings in general. Because 2015 was a very different time. Yeah. So. Not that they didn't exist in 2015, but they were very less frequent. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, and then because of what the good, good guy did now the kid you know basically he's gonna end up needing a liver transplant um and basically it's like kind of the idea of like he did a bad thing but he's not a bad person and yeah his mom reconciling says with that yeah, yeah yeah his mom says this and like this is what med is so good at is taking the deep discussion points and putting them in our laps and saying have fun with this this is what yeah. they excel at. They're so good at it. So, A, I miss the crap out of them for this reason. But also, this kind of intertwines into what we were talking about with Adrian Peterson before, right? He did a bad thing. But at what point does the thing define the person? Yeah. yeah. I think you're seeing that a lot right now, even with the Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. At what point does the thing define the person? Because... What Ashton and Mila basically did was say, we believe all victims except for these victims right here. I think the thing, though, and like, I think what people would argue with the Adrian Peterson stuff, bringing it kind of what we were talking about earlier, is I think what people would argue is that, like, it happened once with his child, you know, all the stuff that went down with the child stuff. And then even though it didn't go anywhere and the charges were dropped in terms of like the stuff with his wife, but it's like, okay, but then it happened again. And I think a lot of times it's like people can maybe forgive or at least not forget when it happens once. It's when things happen like multiple times that it's like, okay, well, that's probably not just like a random occurrence. That's like part of who you are. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I mean, if you if you put it in the context of the shows, I'm thinking of I'm, I'm of course thinking of Upstead and saying, okay, well, Jay did a shitty thing, a really shitty thing. But as you're saying here that, you know, if it's if it's more than once, you're really showing true colors, then, you know, it doesn't define who he is. It's just a, a blip. It's I think a bad he handled the situation wrong and we don't need to go into a whole upset no, no. debate again. But yeah, and like, I think, but I think you could even argue going back to this kid. And I mean, again, we don't know a ton about this kid. And I don't think, I think there's a difference between blowing a leaf blower in someone's face. Mm-hmm. You know, like they show the videos of him doing his other pranks or whatever. And he's like blowing the leaf blower in people's faces and like scaring people or whatever. And like, yeah, that's fine. And you know, whatever. That's not like harming anyone, but it's like, oh, but he was doing things again and again and again that like people weren't liking. But like the one time he did something that people wasn't going to like is the one time it like backed in his face. So it's like he kept doing it and he knew, I mean, he was doing it because he got likes on YouTube or whatever. He was whatever site he was posting to. But, you know, the one time he kept doing it, even though he knew people didn't like it, is when it backfired in his face. What year was the shooting in Aurora? The ba- the one where they, I think it was the Batman movie. Did yeah. that happen before this episode? Um, I, yes, it was 2012. 2012. So that okay. happened before Sandy Hook. Yeah. Jesus. Only by like a year though, right? No, Sandy Hook was December 2012. It was like six months. Oh my God. Oh, horrible. Because that was my senior year. And I definitely remember that. But yeah, I did not remember that Aurora was before Sandy Hook. I think there's like an actual psychological term for it. But you know, when one isolated occurrence happens and it just defines everybody's perception of something, no matter how, yeah. you know, out of the blue it might be. So we'll get real honest real quick. To this day, when I go see a movie in choosing the seats, I am mindful of where the exits are just in case of anything. Yeah. Because of Aurora and all of the other subsequent shootings that have happened since. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't. I'd be lying too if I said, I don't necessarily think about the seats thing, but I definitely would be lying if I said it wasn't in the back of my mind that like something could happen, like, you know, because of Aurora and like you said, other shootings that have happened, but like, it's definitely on my mind. Which, and and I think I could see how in this case, if your guy is sneaking in, in the middle of the movie and like pointing something super loud at the audience during a dark movie, absolutely he's immediately going to think that it's a shooter oh yeah i'm not saying that i definitely am not i i that i don't see where the good guy i don't remember his name where the good guy was coming from like i definitely see why he thought that that like nobody's blaming him that like you know like they no no you know. but i'm saying but it's like the- yeah it definitely i definitely could would have been right there with him yeah, I I absolutely understand why he you know felt the need to shoot because like Goodwin said, his he thought his life was in danger. Yeah, and I mean I mean still to this day, if somebody walks into the theater in the middle of the movie, I kind of like tense up. I'm just kind of like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Okay, like it's it's definitely a concern. So I I just and Maggie even says in this episode, she's like she's he's lucky somebody didn't pop him sooner. Frankly, so yeah yeah. yeah. So I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's a dumb kid. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say that he was a bad person, but I do think the point of like, he kept doing it and he kept doing it and people didn't like it. You know, the people that he was attacking on the street, at least or whatever, didn't like it. And it's like, 
And unfortunately, he kept doing it and he didn't learn his lesson and yeah, he found himself in this situation, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. But the the guy, the teacher, he's, I mean, he's like really upset about it. Like mm-hmm. he's not okay um, about what he did, you know, finding out all the truth and stuff. But, and it is kind of crazy how like everyone's demeanor towards him starts to change once this comes out. Which I think is a sign of the times, because I think in 2015, where there were, you know, a lot of a lot of the mass shootings that have happened since had not happened yet. I, I can see how that would happen. But in 2023, you know, when when everybody flipped on him, I was like, why is everybody being so different? You know, he I see why he did what he did. It made perfect sense. You don't think it would have changed even today? I mean, like I. I think people still, I, I don't know. I think there's still maybe been a slight change to him, even if it's happened in like 2023. How, the, the way people treat him? Yeah. Well, I think that depends on a number of different variables, frankly. Well, and I think going back to the quote about the media from Malcolm X I think a lot of it has to do with the media like I think the media would change the conversation about what happened and really drive the narrative and like I mean the quote says it's like can make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent I think a lot of it would have been driven by the media you're yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and I you know that 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 small sector of people who you know believe that you think the good guy with the gun is what you need you know that's they would pipe up because, you know, how often do you how often do you see that people are saying, well, you need a good guy with a gun. And then, you know, the counter to that being like, well, how often does that work? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it depends on a lot of variables, quite a lot. But in general, generally, the good guy with the gun, as rare as he may be, also gets applauded. Yeah. So then so we've got Connor and Connor's been working on this kid the whole time. Um with Zanetti which we'll get to that mm-hmm. but um he's really believing in this kid and fighting for this kid and then we get this is it true Lucy Sims liver is on its way back to the hospital the intended recipient died in pre-op Peter is an HLA match you can go to him yeah there are names ahead of him on the list none of them are in this hospital it has already been three hours. Livers are viable for less than 12. By the time the list gets sorted out, the, the patient prepped, organ shipped, it may be too late. Lucy's husband can direct donate to whomever he chooses. Ask him to give it to Peter. You're talking about the man responsible for his wife's death. And he has done a horribly stupid thing, I know, but he's a kid. Peter deserves a chance to turn his life around. I'm glad he believes in the kid so much. Yeah. I mean, and again, this is really showing like these first couple of episodes that we've seen. It's like really showing to us Connor's true colors and, you know, really where his heart is. And I just, I love him. I miss him. I miss him too. Colin's such a good actor. I say it every time, but like just everything he does, even in like the little details of how he responds to questions and stuff. I'm like, God. Colin's so good. So good. No. Um, so then Dr. Charles goes to meet with the teacher. And like we said earlier, he's really not doing great. Um, he's, you know, talking about again, kind of the perception. It's like, oh, because I was the only one with a gun, now I'm the bad guy. He's like, the kid did this, like I shouldn't be the pariah. And 
like I said earlier, he, he, I mean, he's fine. He's not really injured. So basically they're like, okay, you can leave. Um, And Dr. Charles is like, listen, like, I get that you don't want to talk right now, but if you need to, like, here's my card. And so the guy takes it kind of reluctantly, but he takes it. And then he leaves the hospital. And literally, like Gina said, as soon as he leaves the hospital, he gets swarmed by press on the way out. Like, that would never happen in real life. Ever. No. no. That would not happen. Um, He'd get escorted but, out, like, a special way. Yeah, they would, like, put him in some special car. Like, they, yeah, it would not happen. Or at least even back in a police car. Like, they, they would not happen. Um, But... You know, they're bombarding with questions. And finally, he just kind of blurts out. He's like, I thought what I did was right. And he's like, I don't regret it. And I would do it again. So. On the other side of the hospital, like we said earlier, the kid who's the shooter. Or the proposed shooter. He wasn't. You know what I mean? Um, He basically is going to die without a liver transplant. And so. What gets proposed, though, is so the mom from earlier ends up passing away. You know, they take her off life support. And, of course, she was an organ organ donor. So what they propose is a targeted liver donation from her to the kid. And it does not go over well with some people. I cannot believe the audacity of them to ask him. I get that. I mean, I get from a business perspective, you know, organs are only good for a certain window and, like, I get it from a business perspective, but good Lord, there has got to be a line at some point where emotion has to stay in the equation. Yeah. 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 That's wild. How do you actually, like, how do you agree to that? Like my wife just got killed and the guy who's responsible for it now is going to live because of her. I know. I couldn't even imagine. How do you reconcile I couldn't that? Even imagine. Cause I feel like even if you ever talk about like with your spouse about like, okay, like Obviously, I'm an organ donor. Like, I definitely, you know, if I were to die, like, this is what I would want. You know, I I definitely still want this. Like, I feel like most people wouldn't talk about, like, oh, by the way, what happens if the person who ends up being responsible for my death needs one of my organs? You know, like, that's not something you probably talk about. No. No, that is a very, Obviously. very specific so, situation. Like, and even if you did ever happened to have randomly discussed that like chances are like obviously it's one thing to talk about it but then it's another thing when you're actually in that moment and have to make that decision yeah and emotions are you know and adrenaline have taken over and i yeah i can't yep. even imagine it nope the good one ends up talking to the husband though and at first she thinks she failed because he's like obviously very anti against it in the beginning um but when she walks out of the room she realizes that the husband did sign consistent form so the kid is going to get the liver. So then the good guy comes in as a patient. They, I mean, he's like hanging on for his life too. And Maggie ends up recognizing him. And basically what happens is he threw himself in front of a moving car because he just could not deal with the guilt and of what he did and people thinking of him differently. And he just, he couldn't deal with it. Um, so, so he threw himself in front of the car. Yeah. So heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking, and especially when it's followed by this next moment of the dad talking to the kid after the kid came out of surgery. Mr. and Mrs. Wallace, this is Bill Sims. It was his wife. Lucy. Her name is Lucy. 
It was Lucy's liver that was transplanted into Peter. Thank you for saving our son. What you've done for our family. I didn't do it for your family. I did it for mine. Death is injustice. Can you hear me? Yes, you can. My wife, my wife died because of you. And now she keeps you alive. And it's gonna haunt you for the rest of your life. Mr. No, 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 I can't. Look, you wanted a following, right? So the kids today ever wants a following. I'm gonna give you a following every day. On every social media site for the rest of your life, I'm going to be there to remind the world. You will never I'm sorry what's happening. Who let that happen? I know that should have never happened. No. Yeah. I mean, that kid's already traumatized for life, but even more so now. Yeah. Yeah. um but yeah it's a powerful moment and but it's i mean it's the whole thing between the good guy and like this whole thing it's just it's very heartbreaking ending yeah yeah so heartbreaking but it's not the actual ending the last last is you get to see connor and dr zanetti hooking up and i assume that's connor's apartment i don't know yeah yeah i'm gonna guess that too um yeah and it's it's like it's misleading right because they they start off with you know connor's in his apartment watching the news the news which is like in this in this particular clip is going against the very foundation of journalism so the 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 reporter is talking about he's like you know here's the shot of the husband walking away from the hospital and he donated his liver and then the journalist literally says he's like i don't know if i ever could have made that decision like Props to you, Mr. Whatever, for, you know, being yeah. such a strong person. That, no, that's not journalism. That, no. But yeah, so that happens. And then they zoom out, Dr. Zanetti and Connor fucking. What's so wild about the Connor and Zanetti thing, though, is that, like, I mean, yeah, they had some scenes, but it's not like they were, like, heavily flirting. No. And then, like, you see, it's like... Literally, they were just working together, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I like, kind of want to. Should have been a deleted scene somewhere in there. Right, right. I kind of want to take back my shout out to like the writers last week for being ahead of the time. Like, because last week I was like, dude, you know, shout out. They they got a female head of trauma. That's awesome. That's our. Uh, I was gonna say one awesome. word. I said another one. That's awesome. Yeah, female head of trauma. Ooh, that's so cool. No, no, you really brought her in as an object. Like, you said, here's what she does, and now she's fucking our main character. Yeah, like I said, and there's, like, no build-up, too. It's, like, it's not even, like, they had a moment where they, like, locked eyes across. Like, there is literally nothing. It's, like, oh, yeah, we were working together, and we were doing this, like, horrible case and having to do, like, deal with this really tough times, and then. There's quite literally one line, one line in this whole episode where you could maybe interpret it as flirting. And it's basically when the nurse, like, the nurse says something, like, judgy or something, and Connor goes, keep your opinions to yourself. And so, 
Zanetti looks at him and is like, I didn't peg you for a bleeding heart. And Connor says, I didn't know you were trying to peg me. But like, uh, if that's what, if that's your extension of flirting, then like, I I don't know. I, I would love to find out like how we actually went from that to like them in bed. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, I think there's a deleted scene missing in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. There is an episode of TV that I think sums up the gun control issue really well. And when I say this, you're all just going to be like, is she insane? But it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They always present things in this. They always present things in the, the, the light of, you know, how fucked up is this? Like, here are all the points, but how fucked up is this? You know, and the episode they do on gun control is just like that, where there's two conflicting points of view and the theme is really just like, this shit's fucked. So if any of you ever get to catch that episode, I I recommend it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a hard thing to tackle. And I do think Med tackled it as well as something can. In 2015. Um, Yeah, especially in 2015. Um, But yeah, it's a hard a hard thing to tackle yeah okay so next up we have natalie oh natalie natalie doing natalie things this is the first time we see her doing natalie things oh natalie yep yep okay so natalie's patient is a teenage girl who passed out at the theater but she passed out before the stampede she already wasn't feeling good so the mom's pretty overbearing. Every every comment out of her mouth is about food and weight and getting fat and all that. And so Nat immediately is like, well, I know what this is because I'm projecting. So she grabs Dr. Charles and she's like, I think it's anorexia. You know, she's here right in on it. This is this is indeed the first time we see somebody go Natalie on a patient. Yeah. Yes. So Dr. Charles is like, this yes. is not a problem. Like, we'll figure this out. And again, I just don't forget that Dr. Charles is kind of a dick in season one. Like, kind of a dick. So yeah. He basically goes to talk to the patient. He's like, Look, so I there's this new nausea pill that I want to try. You know, let's get a burger from the cafeteria and you know, we can give you that and see if it works. And Natalie's like, What the hell's the nausea med? And Dr. Charles is like, bye. So yeah. she eats she eats the burger and everything and she throws up again. And Natalie is really mad because Dr. Charles gave her a tic tac. What did you give her? A tic tac. A tic tac? Yes. You gave my patient a placebo? Yep. That's not ethical. Oh, balls. Look, nausea, no nausea. I now have a much clearer picture of what's going on. I needed to get around mother and see that girl eat. I could report you. I should report you. Dr. Manning, they wrote a bias confirmation. What? Bias confirmation. Interpreting information so that it conforms to one's preconceptions. You walked in, saw a thin 16-year-old girl with an overbearing mother who reminded you of your college roommate, who very tragically died of anorexia. So, voila. The patient has anorexia. She has the indicators. She also has the contraindicators. If the mother were that overbearing, she never would have allowed Ashley to choose that particular meal. And if Ashley were anorexic, she never would have eaten it, let alone with such gusto. The mother is right. It's Ashley's body that's in trouble, and that is your department. Thank you. 
balls is not something you're going to hear Dr. Charles say in 2023. Ever again. No. Yeah. Let alone 2023. Yeah. Like you said, Dr. Charles in 2015 is just different. Very, very different. And also, can we also point out that Natalie's projecting in this episode and Dr. Charles literally like points out the entire problem and she still spends the next like four or five seasons doing exactly this. Yeah. Well, and like even at one point he's like, oh, this is why you did this, blah, 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 blah. He's like, your child college roommate, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, how do you know all this? Like, it's like, and he's like, oh, I did my research. It's like, okay. He just took it all in. He took in what she told him. Yeah. Yeah. She got called out, but it kept her. <laughs> she kept on doing the same thing until she left. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Natalie does crack the case, though. The, this girl is way too tall for her. She She's too tall for her age, and her height can't keep up with her weight. There's basically, because she's so tall, there's a portion of her stomach that is stuck between, like, two other things that it shouldn't be stuck between, and the food's getting trapped, and that's why she throws it up. So her two options are either to do a feeding tube or have surgery, and surgery is risky. The, the feeding tube is the way safer option. And so... You know, knowing that the mom is going to probably be against it, Nat presents the options, but the girl does opt for the feeding tube because she wants to stand out contrary to what her mother wants for her. Yeah. So that's really yeah. it. Nothing earth shattering in that one. Yeah. Oh, man. So then we get Ethan. I, well, Ethan slash Will. I was watching this at the gym when I, I was like doing the bicycle and I was watching this at the gym and I I was laughing I was trying to contain my laughter because I was like I cannot believe this is actually real right it's so bad yeah I mean and that's the point that it's supposed to be so bad but like I was trying to contain my laughter at the gym I was like I cannot believe this stuff this woman is saying yeah my face I was just like like, I completely forgot about her and the stuff. That was yeah, I was like literally sitting there in the gym and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, So basically an elder lady, a literally lady comes in. Her name's Mrs. Kovac. And she snuck in because they were like, oh, did you get hurt in the stampede? And she was like, no, I just didn't want to have to wait out there. Did you see all those people? And I was like, oh, dear God. Oh, my God. Like, this woman has no filter and this is where we're going. Okay, cool. So. It gets worse. It gets way worse. So then she and Will are working on, you know, whatever, trying to get her situated or whatever. And so she starts asking April about her ethnicity. And she says that April looks like the girl who cleans her house. Oh, my God. And then she spots Ethan outside because she doesn't. And she's like, oh, no. She like, doesn't really want Will as her doctor. She spots Ethan across. She, she's like him. I want him to be my doctor. And she says that, and I quote, Orientals make the best doctors. Yep. Yep. So mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. It's really bad. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. So Will goes to Ethan and is like, look, listen, like, can you help me here? And Ethan, Ethan actually decides to let himself have a time bit of fun at will's expense and this is how it goes down oh good finally my assistant dr halstead showed me your blood work 
Your AC and calcium levels are high, and your chest x-rays revealed the lymph nodes along your lungs are enlarged. It could be symptomatic of something serious, but before we go there, let's do a biopsy and see what comes back. Oh, oh, oh thank you, doctor. I knew you'd be the one to help me. You're too kind. But humility is the solid foundation of all virtues. Oh. Really? Confucius? You're Korean. All the same to her. Hey, call me after you do the biopsy and make a diagnosis so I can take the credit. Uh-huh. Yeah. My assistant. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, my God. That's really funny. It's so good. Never see Ethan it's having really fun. No. Very rarely. Very rarely. So, Will starts going back in there. Or was it April? Uh, I don't remember. Somebody's April, in there. April. He's, yeah, so April. April is April. Yeah, yeah. So, April's in there, like, getting to blood, you know, doing all those things. And the woman's like, oh, well, the boy who shot up the movie theater, was he black? And it's like, Jesus Christ. And then April has, like, the best smirk on her face when she gets to tell him that the lady, or tells Mrs. Kovac that he's white. And Ms. Kovac is just, like, shocked. Like, she oh cannot God. believe that someone who's white would do this. Her face. Yeah. So they don't really have any, I mean, like, major answers because, like, basically a lot of this, her tests end up coming back clean, you know, nothing wrong. So Will decides he want, does want to run one more test and then he's like, I'll tell her what's up. Um, But before that happens, we get this very, very random Will and Natalie moment. Hey, Nan. Yeah. I'm thinking, I only live a mile from you. When you go into labor, call me. I'll drive here. Thanks, but you know it could be three in the morning. Sleep's overrated. We're just friends. Mm-hmm. I want to take you to the hospital. Uh, Will? Like, very random. <laughs> yeah. It just... Totally random. It, it gives kind of creepy vibes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get it, but it's also like, you can't have known her for that long, dude. So, like, it's not like you've been best friends for even a year. Like, you've probably known her, what, a month or two at best? It's a little yeah. creepy. I just, I just, um, I have this image of, like, Will walking around the hospital and his brain just being like, Natalie, 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 Natalie. Like, just That's kind of what it loop. seemed like in these early days. Yeah. It's yeah. really what it seemed like in these early days. But, like, hopefully this isn't what he thinks about as he's falling asleep. Like, what's going to happen when Natalie goes into labor? Yeah. And it's a good thing that we ended up way full circle and now they're back together. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, Will gets the last test back. And basically, it comes back that Mrs. Kovac is part African-American. And because she's part African-American, I forget exactly what her diagnosis is, but basically it wouldn't have shown up if she was not part African-American, which is why Will got the idea to run that test. Yeah. Um, and yeah, 
and she will just kind of lays it out on her and he's just like listen you know he's like you know glass houses cast the first stone maybe wait, it's wait not- no this is ethan this is ethan oh ethan 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 yeah i thought it was yeah because we'll, we'll like, ask you know, ethan if it bothers him yeah and it's like you know glass houses cast the first stone but maybe it's not such a good idea to get worked up about other people's faults and if you happen to have a couple of your own all will is hearing is natalie 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 yeah yeah Yeah. Actually, he like at the minute Ethan says that, I'm pretty sure he turns around and looks right at her. Yeah, he does. Oh my god. What's a love sick little puppy? He really is. That is one thing that I guess is so enjoyable about like the early seasons of One Chicago is that like these these early ships that we got, like the men fell so hard. So hard. I love them. I'm thinking. Some of them. I would argue that, like, Dossie was reverse. Oh, you know, Gabby fell real hard for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would argue Dossie was reverse. Mills you fell ar- for Gabby, though. Yes. Would you argue Linstead? Would you argue... Jay fell. You- Jay fell. Jay fell. Yeah. And then Berzik. I mean... Was definitely root. Yeah. We that's the mother of the man falling right there yeah i think i'd say a lot of them i wouldn't say all of them but i'd say a lot of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is kind of cute though yeah as frustrating as man said got yeah so any other notes on med Mm-mm. Just kind of a sad one yeah i am enjoying doing these rewatches though yeah it is it, it, it's it's because i feel like i had i mean and that's not to say it couldn't still hold up but like i feel like i definitely had an idea of what season one of med was like and so far i mean granted we're only four episodes in but so far that has not been my the case at all i feel like we're always just like oh med is so bad in the beginning and like so far season one has not been that bad granted again four episodes but still yeah but season two is the disaster isn't it yeah season two is not great but i feel like i also thought season one was not great either hmm. we shall see but we shall see. yeah season two is not great pretty sure i still haven't seen all of season two <laughs> i i think i don't think i have either actually because they I were feel still... like there's definitely some of those like middle episodes that i like did not watch there were yeah there because they were all still on three different nights and so i just got behind on that and just like didn't catch up no, I feel like I stopped watching because I was like, this is kind of boring. And then it was like, oh, Jay's and Will's dad's coming in. And I was like, oh, I guess I got to catch up again. Like, yeah. Yeah. I guess I got to so. catch up again. So. All right. Yeah. Now it's time for fire. Um, Moving, kind of moving from one sad thing to another, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in, in, in the Med episode we just covered, it was the Christmas episode. Because remember, I mean, Med premiered like the middle of November. So. You know, that was the Christmas yeah. episode. Well, this episode of Fire is the Halloween episode. So yep. we're just going through the holidays. So, okay. We'll start off with Bowden and Mills. So it's Halloween. They're decorating the firehouse, all that good stuff. And we get a little factoid here that has stayed true throughout all 11 seasons. Halloween yes. is Bowden's favorite holiday. Yes. Jot that one down for trivia too. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Halloween. Halloween. So we start off with a big warehouse fire. 
If you think of all the warehouses that have burned in Chicago in 11 seasons. How are there still warehouses left? Right? Especially within their district. It's not like they're fighting, you know, fires like all over Chicago, like literally in their district. Yeah. Why do at least like four warehouses burn every season? That's problematic. That would be an interesting stat is like to keep track of how many times they say like, oh, this is a warehouse. Like, because we're in the beginning, right? So we could do it. That's perfect. Oh, like that is such a good warehouse. random statistic. Every time they mention like a warehouse fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. I yeah. got this. I'm like, wasn't the pilot a warehouse fire when Herman got hurt? I have to go back because we didn't do a pilot rewatch, but I'd have to go back. But I don't think we had one in two or three. No. Right. Not in two. Definitely not in two. Three. Three is when the thing fell on the car and Casey went back to Hallie, right? Yeah, that was how... No. That's this episode. No, no, no. There was, there was like... No, I don't think it was this episode. It was the two girls that were parked on the side of the street and, like, a piano or something, like, fell from the sky. And because oh, one was sitting in the passenger that car seat, thing. I yeah. thought you were talking about the stuff with his car and then it happens to her car. And I was like, no, that's this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I have to double check. But so far, our warehouse fire tally is at one. <laughs> Start the warehouse counter. Let's go. Okay. The other random <laughs> staff seasons, while we're thinking baby. of it. Yeah. Through 11 seasons. How many warehouse fires have there been? I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. So yeah, everybody gets called out to the first warehouse fire in show history. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, they've got to work pretty quickly, but they've got some squatters that they've got to get out first. And so Bowden is outside kind of watching the fire. Something I wish they had done in these early seasons was kind of explained the mechanics a little bit more because you see Bowden outside and he's just kind of watching it and he's like, okay, well, the smoke is turning. The building's going to flash. Okay. Well, but what does that mean? What does it mean if the building's yeah. going to flash and what is it, what's happening when the smoke turns colors? Like that, that kind of stuff, I think if they'd explained it a little more, would have been really cool. Uh, that's just the nerd in me wanting to know more. But yeah. So he's reading the fire. He's like, hey, we got to get out like now because this is going to happen. So everybody's clearing out, but Mills sees somebody in the distance. And so he really wants to go back in and he makes his case to Bowden. He's like, look, I can see somebody. I can get in there. I can get out. I can do it. And Bowden's like, no, absolutely not. You cannot go back in. And then, of course, like 30 seconds to a minute later, it flashes. So, yeah. Yeah. So this call makes the front page of the Chicago Sun-Times because the the man who died, he was a homeless man. He was a squatter. And so there's, you know, they're basically spinning it in the media, as Dr. Charles said before. It's making the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're spinning it in the media to make it look like the firemen don't care about the homeless. So Mills is really beating himself up. He's just like, I don't get it. Like, why, why is everybody making a big deal about the article? Because we did what we did. You know, we, you know, what are we doing? And then you pan over to a shot of the homeless man's brother on TV calling out the firehouse, like continuing to just make it worse. Uh, specifically yeah. Bowden. Specifically Bowden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and somehow this man got cell phone footage of Mills and Bowden's conversation. How did this man get close enough to get like clear audio? Or it's like, and how? I mean, obviously it wasn't him. So, like, because I doubt he was just happened to be on the scene. So, like, somebody had to know, you know, it's like, and how did he get the footage from them? Like, it's, you know. Yeah. 
that's not real. No, <laughs> like how, how, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Mills goes into Bowden's office he is such, he's so like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, it's so pure. His apology. How he's like, look, if I yeah. said or did anything that was out of line, I apologize. It's just such a pure apology. And Bowden's like, you need to stop right there. Cause like, that's no. the attitude I want in every single one of my men. Yeah. And he just tells him, he's like, forget the news report. You know, this is what I want. Like, forget the news report, put it out of your head. Don't listen to it. And so one of the attorneys for the city stops by to see Bowden. This woman is so annoying in this episode. She's just such a thorn in Bowden's side the whole time. I know. Oh my God. Uh, and she even just flat out says, she's like, you should feel bad. Or I'm uh, sorry. No, not that. She, she's basically like hammering home the obvious. So she's like, oh, you shouldn't feel bad. And Bowden's like, I don't. Yeah just kind of did my job like i made the decision yeah. i was trained to make and she suggests she's like you should sit down with the brother like sometimes a simple conversation can avert a major lawsuit this is why i don't play well with other lawyers i really yeah. don't like the, that's the kind of stuff that they say that just makes me like so angry when like all they care about is you know that how stuff. it looks yeah. yeah how it looks money i hate that yeah oh gives me the act big time so then the brother shows up with a camera looking for Bowden, and of course he does of course he does yep of course and herman goes herman chief Bowden. you knew my brother was in that warehouse did you the guy was homeless keeping warm in a warehouse you're his brother where have you been? Herman, come on. I'm oh, sorry. I'm not going to be quiet. Because a few weeks ago, I almost bought the farm trying to save a stranger. It's what we do every day. It's what we tried to do for your brother. Chief Bowden made the call he had to make. Just be glad you never have to do It just never gets old, though. No, it really doesn't. Like, seeing Herman just, like, stick up for Bowdoin that way, it just, like... And obviously, this is 104, so, like, the fact that Herman still does that for, like, everyone in the firehouse 11 years later is just, like, heartwarming. It's just, like, oh, Herman's always been this way. Every friend group needs that one friend who has no filter and doesn't give a fuck. And that is Christopher Herman. That is Christopher Herman. Yeah. That is Christopher Herman. So, not in a bad way, though. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, true. I don't think it's a bad thing. The older I get, the more I'm just like, some people just need to be told stone cold, like the, the cold hard truth. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I think everybody needs that. So, yeah. Um, so, the attorney tells Bowden that, you know, the homeless man died as a direct result of the fire. All that stuff. And so Bowden's like, yeah, this this doesn't change anything. Like, you're wasting my time. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Um, yeah. And so the, the case gets settled. Bowden should be happy about it. He's just kind of like, whatever, you know, whatever. So Bowden, uh, Bowden basically asks to see Mills again in his office. And we get this scene. You want to see me, Chief? Yeah, Mills, come on in. I know you've been struggling. Ever since the warehouse fire. Yeah, I was close enough to see him. 
If I'd had one minute, I might Let have... me tell you about one minute. I've been there. Most of us have. In my case, I was sure. Sure than you are right now, even. That if I'd had that one minute, I'd have been able to go in there, rescue those people. My best buddy and I, we went running back in. The fire was trapped in the ceiling. Couldn't see it, so we didn't know. We didn't have one minute. We lost the victims. I lost my friend. I got a scar on my back that reminds me every single day about the price of playing beat the clock. And it's my job to make sure that you never get any kind of reminder. You understand me? Yes, sir. You got it in you. You're gonna make one hell of a firefighter. Oh, this is the first time we learn about voting Scar, right? Oh, yeah, you are correct. Because obviously it didn't happen in one and two, and I don't think it happens in the pilot. I don't think he talks about it in the pilot, if I remember correctly. I don't think so either. So, yeah, the first time we learned about the scar. Which is like his whole back, right? Yeah. And obviously then that relates to, which we don't know that at this point, but that's what ends up relating to Mills's dad. Yeah. Yep. Breezy. So, yeah. And then the episode ends with Mills going to the academy, and this is the first time we see the wall of badges, isn't it? Um, do you see it in episode one? Like after Amy dies? Oh, oh, yeah. You know what? You might be right that we see it in episode one. I don't remember. Um, I need to pull up our like outline for the pilot because obviously, clearly, I don't remember anything. You were going to be scrolling back through six years. You know that was like our second episode, right? Or no, no, no. it was like. We did it like in the early 26. No, you just go to Google Docs and you just type it in and it'll come up. You do? Uh, let's see. Uh-huh. I'm trying to just do like a quick glance. That's the Darden thing. Oh man, this is when we actually used to do things in colors. Do you remember that? We used to like do the outline and <laughs> put our own commentary and on like colors. points we wanted to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. Oh God! Why did we ever think that? Why we we were figuring out our process? Yeah, we were figuring it's out like what not even or it's like literally like straight through like the whole thing. There's no like sections either. Well, shit! I gotta see this now. Hang on, <laughs> pull this shit up. Um, do do do. We also didn't have as much experience then. No. Episode 26. No. Oh, we had answers from Derek splintered in here. We asked Derek questions back then about the pilot. Yeah, yeah. We asked him questions because we, we did a live oh, tweet for the Chicago Fire Pilot. And so we sent him a message. Yeah, I like, remember that. Yeah. We invited him. Jesus. Yeah, fire pilot recap. Let's look at this fossil. Uh, oh, episode descriptions. 
So many Derek questions. I know. <laughs> Chicago PD picked up by Fox stations for fall 2018 broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All these episode descriptions. I don't think so. I don't even remember the stat we were looking for. Oh, the, the wall of badges. Yeah, I don't think I don't see it. Yeah. Oh, this is funny. Oh, and no, then the, like, the story in there about how they uh, Derek named Darden. Like he he always names somebody after his old professor yeah. in every project he does. Yeah. And see, it's a huge building fire at the end. But is it a warehouse? Different things. We're going to have to go Different. back. I have to go back and watch the scene. Yeah. Oh, this is so funny. Yeah, I've literally never looked at this and like I don't know how I the I don't remember the last time I looked at this. <laughs> Casey basically tells Hallie, like, I'd marry you tomorrow if I knew we wanted the same things. And then underneath that I wrote in, I forgot how much of a cinnamon roll he is in season one. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And we could do a whole episode of like going through old outlines. Yeah, these are wild. Yeah, so wild. Okay, so we have to go back. We got to make that note too to go back to the pilot and see if it's a warehouse file. Fire, fire. Getting ahead of myself. Okay. Anyway. So yes, Mills goes to the academy, and we first time we've seen the badge, the wall, the badge, the wall badges. Yes. And okay, so again with the timeline of all this stuff, so. Peter's dad dies in 1992. Is that the year? That's what it says on the badge. Okay. Because I remember pausing it and being like, I think, like, making sure I knew what the number was. But isn't, so Peter had to have been, like, maybe, what, five when his dad died? Do we know how old he was? Ooh, you mean, like, what year was Peter, was Mills born in? Yeah, like, how old is Peter? Well, let's just put it this way. If even if he was say like born in the same year his dad would died, he would have had to be that would make him 20. He's gotta be show. like gallo age, right? At this point, he's gotta be like what 25, 26. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna try to see if I can find it if it like they ever say like how old he is. No, nah, just a quick Google search. I can't find it. I was looking to see if like the Peter Mills like fandom wikipedia page has anything and it does not there's a peter mills fandom wikipedia well there's like no there's like there's like fandom.com has like different wikis for like different shows and then like within them they make like like basically like wikipedia pages so like in the chicago fire one there's one for like peter mills Hmm. interesting Anyway, I cannot find it anything that says how old he is, but just another stat to keep an ear out for. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the main anyway. point of the episode. Um after that we get we get some Herman stuff. We get some Herman content. Oh, love the Herman family. And the Herman love kids them. are so little. They're babies. Oh my god, so baby. Take us take it away, please. Yeah, so not a ton here, but basically the Herman kids are dressed up for Halloween, and, like, they're adorable. Like, I love them. I just, I love them. <laughs> um, 
And it's like, it's kind of great, though, that they have used the same actors, like, this whole time. The kids are all the same? I'm pretty sure. Maybe not Annabelle. I don't know. But, like, that's definitely the same kid who was, like, Lee Henry and Luke, for sure. They look exactly the same. Like, it's very cool to, like, see that those have probably been the same Mm -hmm. uh, kids. I'm going to double check because I could have sworn they are. Like I said, maybe not Annabelle, but regardless still pretty cool and i forgot that cindy's dad lived with them at one point yeah that had to be before the show started though right right like off whatever but it's just like crazy because i definitely forgot about that for sure um and then yeah so basically and like her you know again it's halloween and luke is like supposed to be like a superhero and he like isn't even wearing a cape or whatever and herbin calls his costume half-assed it's just like (laughs) That is literally, like, the most Herman thing ever. To call his own kid's costume, like, half-assed. <laughs> so, Herman is getting ready to go off to work or whatever, and Luke, like, doesn't want him to leave, obviously, because of what happened in episode one, and we get this conversation. Loki, hey. I told you, you don't have to worry about me so much. What if you get hurt again? I'll get better, just like last time, and like you did when your bike went over. Us Hermans, we're tough bastards. You said bastards. Don't tell Mom. Herman's just the best dad. He really is. He's such a natural, too. And he knows that that was, like, obviously, like, he knows, like, what to say and, like, when to say it and how he, like, spinned it off into, like, he's like, us Hermans were tough bastards. And Luke's like, you said bastards. His little whisper. It's so good. Oh, so cute. So good. It's so So good. good. Yeah. Herman's really good Uh, at converting things into dad. Like, taking things from English and turning it into, like, dad speak. He's really good at that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the last little bit of Harmon stuff is just obviously that makes a point to point out is that Truck and 61 get called to a Halloween party where someone gets injured. Basically, like a drunk guy dressed as a fireman starts making comments, you know, about how, like, again, kind of playing off the whole, like, oh, well, you can't trust firemen to do their jobs anymore, blah, blah, blah. blah. And Herman, like, almost loses it. And Casey is there to remind him. It's still weird for me to see, like, Casey as Herman's lieutenant. Because now Herman is a lieutenant. I'm like, it's a little weird for me. But Casey reminds him. He's like, listen, like, it's your job to rise above it. Like, and Herman's like, okay, fine. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So. Love it. Oh, Herman. Yeah. Eigenberg can never leave. It would break my heart. Never. 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 I'm um, so I was Googling the well, IMDB the uh Herman kids. Mm-hmm. Only Lee Henry and um Luke are credited in that episode, so I can't check the Annabelle status, but it is the same kids from the beats that are still in eleven, you know, still appearing now. But I didn't realize they're brothers in real life. They are? Oh my god. Yeah, they got a weird last name that's Von Campman. You're definitely not. Those are definitely, you know, they're definitely related. That's so cool. I mean, I can't say brothers. Maybe they're cousins, but you know what I mean. They're probably mm-hmm. brothers, though. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So same kids. Love 
love that. Awesome. Yep. So next up, we've got Severide. And I feel like this might be our first glimpse into kind of like Kelly's soul and like who he really is. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, this this is actually one of my favorite Severide storylines. I remember like it was seeing this one. I remember like, this oh, one too. Yeah, I remember this. This is one of my favorites. So uh Severide's shoulder is still bothering him. Vargas notices. So Sev is kind of a dick to him. Everybody's such a dick to Vargas. I did not remember that at all. Yeah, especially Severide. But with that said, Vargas is officially a member of squad. So maybe Severide should stop being a dick. So that'll be fun. That's one of your men now. Yes. Yeah. That'll be fun. So squad gets called out to a fire. This is not a warehouse. This is a house fire. Uh, And basically arrives to find out that it's already put out. This woman's car basically caught fire in the garage. And there's an older lady out there. She claims she's fine. But Severide recognizes the car. And he's like, wait, we were just here last week. Like two fires in two weeks. Like that's not that's that's a hell of a coincidence. And she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. She's just kind of like brushing him off. And so, you know, he kind of takes notice of the neighborhood around him. There's gang members up and down the street, just everywhere. So he kind of, he knows something's up, right? His like spidey senses are tingling. So Severide ends up coming back by the lady's house with a patrol officer. And she's still just like, no, they were accidents. It's fine. Like, you know, everything's okay. Don't worry about it. And Severide still is like, no, no, it's not okay. Like, no, no. If so, this storyline happens any later, we would have had this would have been like Kevin and Kim, and not some rando. Yeah, yeah. Control officer. It would yes. have been. It would have had like Kim or Kevin or both. Th- yeah, this would have been somebody we knew. It's so wild to think like PD just did not exist at this point. Nothing else existed except for whatever was on fire. I cannot, I cannot imagine a world where Med and PD did not exist. It's funny. Well, you lived in it, apparently. It was a long time ago, okay? Dinosaurs roamed the earth. (laughs) Yeah. So, at the firehouse, Nikki comes by to talk to Shay, and she wants to borrow her house key. Because she wants to make a surprise for Severide and everything. And, like, oh, man, the look on Leslie's face. Like, she is just so, like, she's like, lol really like did you really just ask me for my key she's like no she's like i know you're i know that you are drama you are the drama like well and like the fact that nikki's like i think my dad showing up at your apartment just pushed him away like yeah i think it's the fact that you're engaged but okay yeah sev doesn't need all that smoke and neither does shay as the roommate yeah no so oh man just the 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 look on Shay's face is so funny because she's like this bitch like really so later on nikki stops by in just a trench coat nikki and so severi just lets her in they go right on up to the bedroom shay is giving him this face of like are you what really like yeah really we just talked about this and they get into the room and like shuts the door and everything and she's just like don't you want to help me take this off and Seb just goes I was engaged once too cut to the door slamming and her walking out of the apartment and leaving but this is the first time we find out about Severi being engaged that's true that is yeah that is that is very true but like we literally that's all you know is the one sentence Severi was engaged before 
This is also a very like mature adult move from Severide, especially for this early in the game. Yeah, one especially because in the beginning it's like, oh no, Severide just fell back in the ways. He's taking her upstairs, and then it's like, no, he didn't let it go that far. But he actually got worse in later seasons because, like, I feel like later (laughs) season Sev, like two, three, four Sev, would have absolutely fucked her with like no regard for anything. I mean, not that I. I'm defending Severide because that was not a great time, but I feel like you could make the argument that after he goes through all the stuff with Renee at the end of this season and the baby and the baby that's not his or whatever, I think his head, I think he just got so fucked that he was like, I don't care anymore. I think you can make the argument, not saying I am making the argument, but you could make the argument. You know, you would make a good lawyer too. No, I would not. That's a good, that is a good argument. It's a good point. I've just, and yeah, like I said, not defending Severide because Severide in two, three, and well, yeah, Severide two, three, four, five, eh, five until like midway five is not great. No. Circle of Severide. Yeah. Oh, season four is so, oh, do we have to cover season four like in its entirety? Oh, it's going to be so bad. It's like, please, shows come, shows come back before. Save four. us from season four. <laughs> yeah. Because oh four God. PD is not great either. So. Well, yeah. No, well, wait. Four. Aaron's gone. Four's not No, gone. Aaron's still around in four. She leaves at the end of four. That's right. That's right. That's right. Just yeah, because yeah. Justin dies. Four is not four is not bad. Like I, to me, four is not the worst, but it's not great. Like I think each show has a season we don't talk about, and still for me to this day, six is the season of PD we yeah, don't talk PD about. PD six is the worst, but yeah, that's anyway. six. It's four for fire. It's six for PD. I think it might be two for Med. We will hold. We will hold that thought until once we get through Med season yeah. two, and then we can decide. Yeah. If you have thoughts on that, please let us know. Like, what what is the one season of each show that you just don't talk about because it was terrible? Oh, it's that bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Nikki storms out. They end up getting called back to the old lady's house and a Molotov cocktail basically got thrown through the window. And so she got she got roughed up by it. She got injured. And all Severide really says, like, they're wheeling her into the ambulance and he's like, wait, I need a minute. And he just says, he's like, are you going to tell me what's going on now? Like, genuinely yeah. concerned he's like i'm not gonna go to the cops just tell me what's happening like so i can help you so that's just that's who severide is i mean as as you know tumultuous as his past is as crazy as you know his demons are and the way he acts he's just a genuinely good guy with firefighting in his dna yeah yeah the best the scene i feel like ever like you said this whole storyline just really i feel like said a lot about his character this yeah this is this is this right here is who kelly really is yeah. yeah, the reason why we put up through with the circle of Severide right. for so long. Yep, yep. So he shows up to the. He finds the guys who have been harassing this old lady, and he shows up to the house and basically threatens them and is like, "That's my aunt. Don't touch her." And he's like, "That's my aunt." And the guys are like, "Really? Yeah." And and the threat works. And then the next shift, Bowden's like, "So Nikki has quit and broken off her engagement." And she's traveling throughout Europe, which really, I, I I think Megan left to go play Sutton, right? The bold when, type didn't start till like 2017. 
Really? <laughs> was it 17? Yeah. Oh, shit. And this is like 2012. Oh, sorry. I was like, I was still trapped in med timeline where the show started in 2015. But what did she go do in 2012? I forget Let's... that when we go from med to fire, we're going back in time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I can't find anything specific, but yeah. But it's like, oh, bye, Megan Fahey. We hardly knew thee. See you later in five years. Yep. yep. Man. Yeah. That's it. Severide. Oh, Severide. Gotta love him. Yeah. He'd better come back. <laughs> it would I be want- driving us crazy though like if we were actually the shows were getting ready to come back in like a couple days we'd be like this would we would have been talking about that specific topic for like weeks now we would know though we would know because some some random chicagoan would have just been like oh look the shows are filming on my street and snapping pictures not realizing that like they're providing the fandom with the intel that we need true we would know we we would know whether he's in the next episode or not. We wouldn't know whether that, mean, that you know what I mean. Whether yeah, yeah. You know what I think is going to happen is I think all three shows are going to have a time jump. They're going to have to. They have. To. I cannot act. I mean, like, just because of the fact that people are going to look a year older. Yeah, they're all going to jump time. Um, I think PD is going to time jump, and Haley and Jay will have gotten divorced. Yeah. And I will probably ugly cry on FaceTime once again. But that is what I think will happen. Hopefully we don't have two in yeah. the same night. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be brutal. Like as much as I want the shows back, there's some loose ends that I'm like, please don't wrap that up in a bad way. Yeah. That's mm. gonna be Yeah. I don't, I don't even want to fragile. Don't do that to us. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Next up we've got Casey. Take it away, please. Casey just keeps falling down into a darker hole. I know. Yeah. All right. So everyone's gossiping about the fact that Casey's going to testify against Justin. And Mouch is like, I wouldn't put my ass on the line like that. Like, everyone's just gossiping about it. Um, And Nikki comes in and she's like, hey, Casey, something happened to your car. And he's like, what? So, like, he and everyone else, like, rushes outside. And basically, they see his tire was slashed. His window was broken into. His gym bag was stolen out of his car. Casey's having a not-so-great day. No. And not-so-great day. So, later on, Hallie stops by to see Casey. And, you know, they've just gotten back together. So, she's like, oh, I thought it'd be cute if we had lunch. And really what she's doing is she's like, oh, well, that was there was always that thing we wanted to do and we never did. And basically it's hooking up in Casey's office. That's another stat we need to keep track of. How many people have hooked up in lieutenant's quarters? Because like. But OK, are we talking about how many times it's happened or how many pe- different people have hooked up? Because. Well, Probably hey, times. Girl, for a long period, it's going to be Casey and Gabby. Yeah, so it would be, have to be how many times? Yeah, it's it's mostly just going to be Casey and Gabby and Stellaride. And Hallie and Casey in this instance. Yeah. I'm making a note. 
Hallie. Because I'm going to do it by couple. Casey and Hallie. Tally That's one. a really, like, ballsy thing to do. Because, like, yeah. you know, if the door's locked and the blinds are drawn and, like, you know, there's what is also, like, Yeah, like, those that glass is not soundproof. No, no way. The firehouse yeah. definitely knows what Casey and Hallie were up to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, of course, when they're, like, starting, you know, their sexy time, she, like, mentions that Casey, like, looks a little worried and preoccupied. And he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Because, oh, yeah, by the way, Casey hasn't told Hallie any of the stuff that's going on with Void. Rule of thumb in the one Chicago world, really in all of TV, when you say you're fine, you're not fine. Ever. 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 Mm -hmm. Ever. So, Void stops by to see Casey, and this is how it all goes down. Detective Void got some good news for you, Casey. Yeah? What's that? Well, I heard about what happened to your car. I mean, I don't normally handle this kind of thing, but to be honest, I felt like I owed you an apology after my behavior the other day. I was out of line. So I put my guys on it and I caught the little scumbag. And how'd you know it was him? Come here. This yours? There you go, you had it on him. And make sure nothing's missing, will you? This isn't mine. Well, the kid must have stashed it in there. You know, there's a simple, honest solution to all our problems. One that keeps my son out of jail. Let's you and I get on with our lives. All you gotta do is change that report. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Boyd thinks he can just pull out some money and buy Casey and think it's all just gonna be like hunky-dory and that's not how it goes. I cannot believe they spun off a show with this man as the protagonist. I know. I know. And that we all enjoyed it enjoy, and still enjoy it. Yeah, and I'm just saying that as because of how they've written Voight in these first couple episodes because he is evil. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's wild to me to believe that Voight was the person and like that Antonio was there from the beginning too. It's just like, it's crazy to me. No, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. And, like, this is a guy who tried to pay off a firefighter. Now, granted, we know he was kind of a double agent, but still. Still. He was not necessarily being a double agent in this moment. Because that no. happens after. Yep. As we learned last week, that the whole void timeline, we figured out when he goes to jail, that happens after this. After five? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, didn't it happen? Because he just gets out at the end of season one. I think what we're learning through this rewatch is that timelines are messed the timelines up. are hard and they yeah. make no sense. Yeah. Anyway, so Casey ends up telling Gabby. He runs into Gabby in the locker room and he tells her what happened with Voight. And he's like, "Listen, I haven't told Hallie anything about what happened." Because he's like, "I don't want to worry her." And Gabby's like, "Well, you should probably tell her. Like, now's the time to tell her." Yeah. Casey's like, "Yeah, you're right." So before he gets the chance to do so later that night, 
on shift, Hallie calls the firehouse and Casey ends up rushing to the hospital only to find that the same thing that happened to her car, same thing happened to her car that happened to Casey's. And she's like, Matt, what's going on? He's like, I have something to tell you. And that's where the episode ends. So I'm trying to remember how many more episodes. Is it two more? Is it one more or two more? Oh, you're asking the wrong girl. To the IMDb. (laughs) But it's definitely, I I don't feel like there's that many more. Uh, My perception of time and season one. Because remember, I thought Vargas was gone in like four episodes and he was actually gone in like seven. Could be wrong. Um, six is his last appearance until like closer to the end of Fire in season one. Okay, so we're getting there. So six. So we got two more. Okay. All right. So last up, we've got Shay. So sixty-one gets called out to a hand laceration. A chef basically cut his finger really bad. So it's a baby shower and the mom-to-be basically had a dizzy spell. And so they're just like, hey, can you check her out while you're here too? And so they're like, yeah, sure. The mom is Clarice, who is Shay's ex-girlfriend. Yep. Ex-girlfriend. And it's like super awkward because they were they were really serious when they were together. And so now Shay's like, you're married to a man and you're having a baby? Okay. So... Yeah, Clarice just mentioned she's like I have some of your old records here's my number like you know we can definitely meet up and I can give it back to you and the husband just like rolls his eyes he's just like oh my god because like there's definite chemistry between Clarice and Shay yeah yeah um Sherry Appleby right yes yeah so another bit of trivia she does show up in the show yeah, so Gabby brings up Clarice to the rest of the firehouse and nobody is surprised by her current status. And like just the 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 round of like roasting that they do, it's just so sweet how like, you know, they're they're definitely a family and they're just like, you know, ripping shit and that's on the whole thing and yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's sweet. And so uh she starts rambling about Clarice and how much she's changed to Severide. And so we get a little backstory. They were together for three years. Okay. Another timeline issue. So, because I'm having this conversation at the apartment or whatever, and Zephyrite doesn't seem to know who Clarice is, but everyone else at 51 does. So, you're telling me that Zephyrite didn't seem to know Shay when she was with Clarice? Like, when that does doesn't Zephyrite make sense. That doesn't it make sense. It makes no sense. Because in... that's the vibe I got, right? That, like, why would she be telling all this stuff to Zephyrite if Zephyrite was around at that time? Like, well, Severide would have known that they were together for three years, but she wouldn't have had to say, oh, we were together for three years. Maybe they weren't know. besties yet. But, like, everyone else knew. Like, oh, even Otis, who was the candidate, you know, in three episodes ago. Otis is like, I knew it. Blo-. Like, I mean, Otis has been around for a little bit. Like, it, it make, the timeline makes no sense. It especially doesn't make sense because in 301, we see the flashback of Shay coming to the firehouse. So it's not even something where Severide predated Shay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But like if everyone else at 51 knows, then why wouldn't Severide know? That's true. That's a good point. That's what I'm saying. The timeline makes no sense. We need Loki to like come in and sort this shit out. 
and fix the timeline. Can we have a season of Loki where he just tries to like go through the, the one Chicago universe and so like a season of Loki where he goes through the OCU instead of the MCU. And the OCU. The OCU. But yeah, literally as soon as I heard that, I was like, that makes no sense. The timeline makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the the next day, Gabby finds Shay calling Clarice's number and she's like, don't even, like, don't do it. Don't. And Gabby's like, look, like, I was the one pulling you off the floor the last time. Like, it, you know, which also means that Clarice, Clarice and Shay happened when Shay was at 51. Right, because everyone okay. knows about her. That's why they all made the bets. But what I'm saying is, is that, again, like, Shay wouldn't be telling Severide all this stuff if Severide was around. Yeah. That, none of that makes sense. Because, okay. like, it makes no Good sense catch. that everyone else at 51, Casey, Gabby, Otis, Cruz, Matt, like, literally everyone else at 51 knows and not Severide. It makes yeah. no sense. Nope. No, it doesn't. So... Um, yeah, so Severide and Shay go out at the end, and Severide's like, "What do you want to do?" And Shay's just being really mopey, and she just kind of says, "She's like, I thought he, I thought she was the one." And so that's where we get that iconic moment of, yeah, you know, Shay just kind of kisses her forehead and is like, or Severide, and is just kind of like, "Hey, we're gonna go to the strip club." Yeah, they were so good. No, yeah, Shayveride, babies. Yeah. Any other notes yeah. on fire? No. Good. Alrighty. Let's stretch it. PD time. PD time. This episode was kind of hard to keep track of. There's a lot happening. Yeah, and like what you think would be the main case isn't the main case. So it's really hard to keep track of like what we're talking about at a given time. I remember there was a like, there's a lot. I mean, I remembered a lot of this episode, but I was like, oh man, there's yeah. I didn't realize it was all the same episode. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away. So the episode starts with Jay staring at Lonnie, you know, the guy from last episode. And they're at some pub, whatever, whatever. And Jay like comes up to their table and Lonnie's dad starts going on to Jay about how he can't be near them. They got a restraining order. And, like, Jay ends up punching the dad in the stomach. And he just, like, he, you know, starts yelling because they're, like, with a group of people. And he's like, you all know what they did. He's like, you make me sick. What's he doing? Yeah. That's not Jay. No. And it even goes so far because the next scene that goes with the Jay storyline Jay gets a call from, or Voight gets a call from Commander Perry, and he's like, listen, like, you've got to end your feud with the Rodigers. He's like, they've even gone so far to file a complaint against you with the city, like, and then we get this. Of course. I understand. I'll take care of it. That was Commander Perry. You gotta end this. And what? The Rodiger family. First a restraining order, now they file a formal complaint against you with the city. You don't know the whole story. I do, actually. This unit does not need your name and face in the paper some vendetta cop. Just let Homicide do their job. They're not, though. Then what? The family's just gonna have to eat it every time they walk by Lonnie Rodiger's house? The world isn't fair. You're just learning this. You got potential to be great police, Halston. So drop it. 
I just thought it was interesting because this is definitely the first time you hear Voight basically compliment Jay and be like, listen, like, you can be good police, like, but you've got to, like, cut the shit. Like, you know, but basically, like, Voight being like, no, like, you could be, basically, that Jay could be something and Jay could be, like, good at this if he keeps his head on straight. Yeah, I mean, I think once again, it begs the question of why is it okay when Voight does it, but not okay when anybody else does it, but, you know. Because it's not correct in the first place, and not saying that it makes what Voight doing it okay, because it doesn't, but, like, it's not correct in the first place. Nobody should be doing it. No, absolutely not. I mean, the, this in and of itself is considered police brutality, and coming from Jay, it's not. Yeah, and good. it doesn't matter that you have a personal beef with these people, like. No. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so basically then towards the end of the episode again, the Jay stuff's very short. It's gonna come out, but it's short in this one. Jay basically tells Antonio more details of what happened with Ben and the Rodigers. You knew the family? He's the younger brother of a girl that I dated in high school. And his parents, Danny and Gail, they came to my graduation from Academy. I still see him on what would be Ben's birthday. Me and my partner are first on the scene. And I see a shoe. And then I push the reed back. And there he is. And I still see his face. I remember his dad alibied him out. But they never had anything on Lonnie? Nothing? No. They caught him jerking it outside in elementary school a week prior to finding Ben. They found Kitty porn in his computer. And, and secret pictures that he'd taken of Ben. You gotta be kidding me. Uh-huh. We all knew Lonnie did it, but, you know, his dad lied, and they got a good lawyer. Hey. Be careful. You hear me? We get a lot of details in this. Still not the whole story, but we definitely get a lot of details. Like, I did definitely did not remember that he's, like, going on about how, like, you know her parents you know because he dated ben's sister and he's like oh yeah well her parents came to my academy graduation which means like they've obviously stayed in touch for a really long time and i definitely did not remember that jay was the one who like was on the scene when they found ben's body did not remember that detail at all oh no i i didn't remember that at all yeah that's what he tells antonio that he because they found the shoe he said he makes the comment about how they found the shoe and then they saw the body but jay was jay was already not, caught by then yeah and that's what i'm saying the timeline <laughs> timeline makes no sense but yes yeah but i did not remember that jay was one of the ones who found the body did not remember that at all Okay, so the the beef is that Jay's known his family since he was, you know, a kid. Like you said, he went to high school with Allie. He dated Ben's sister in high school. That's they were Allie, high school right? sweethearts. Yes. Yeah. They were high school sweethearts. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, his parents, even after she he and Allie broke up, like his parents came to his academy graduation. Like, obviously, they've been close for a really long time. I wonder if the parents, like, I wonder if Ben's parents kind of stepped up in all the places that, like, pat and mama hall said didn't probably probably but also what was mama hall said like we don't know no and my guess is that like i mean again when she died we don't know so like my guess is it's like she died while they were in high school then like obviously he just didn't have you know yeah he didn't have a mom 
Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, hmm. that's my guess. Hmm. But yeah, lots of details and more to come. Yeah. Yep. More to come. All right. So next up, we've got Justin and Hank. Justin and Hank. So Aaron and Voight and Justin, they're having dinner. And Voight just kind of mentions, he's like, I got you a job with the CTA. And Justin's just kind of like, oh, God, that's where, like, people go to die, pretty much. Like, that's where you go when you've, like, fucked up your life and you don't really don't have any prospects. And he eventually like, agrees because, you know, Aaron's like, it's a job. It's a place to start. Like, shut up. Do it. So, yeah. Voight leaves to take a phone call and Justin makes a comment about how strange things work out and Aaron's like what are you talking about he goes well when we took you in you were the problem now you're the golden child and I'm the prodigal son I mean it's yeah. not wrong it's not he's wrong. not wrong no no so Justin shows up to see Voight and he just says, he's like, look, I have the chance to get in on a business. My friend is putting together. I just need 10,000. You know, I, I just need to borrow it. And Voight's like, I know, no, this is the first time we hear about the insurance money from their mom's death, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how he blew through it to, you know, try to help Justin. Yep. Yep. So... Voight does not give it to him, and at the end of the episode, Voight has to bail Justin out when he and his friend get a little too rowdy at a pub. And we get this clip. Fuck. Who's this buddy you were with? You don't know. A bunch of wannabe cholos were talking smack, acting like they run the place. They were disrespecting us, Pop. Do you have any idea what I went through in there? The son of a cop. You finished? I want you to listen to me for once, Dad. Okay, I'm not the same kid that I was when I walked in there. Maybe you would have done your job and kept me out in the first place. You want to blame me for what you do? You know what? <clears throat> Screw you. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, Voight's not wrong. No. I mean, I don't want to have to say, I don't like saying that, but like, he's not wrong in this situation. That, like, his approach obviously wasn't working, and but, like, Justin's got to basically, like, kind of get his shit together. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Justin. Yeah. We hardly knew thee, too. We, yeah, we, we hardly knew thee. But also, like, giving Josh Sagara such, like, a different role from what he's usually in, and then, like, seeing him in other stuff, and you're just like, he's just, like, such a cinnamon roll. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. If you ever watch, like, any interviews he does or whatever, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Babe TV. He's so yeah. Cute. He's such a cinnamon roll. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that. And then we've got the case. Um, important piece of One Chicago trivia. This is the first episode where we meet Nadia. Yep. This is the first yep. episode. Yep. Please take us through it, Brenna. Okay. So basically that call that Voight got when he and Aaron and Justin are having dinner basically just tells him that they've got a case. So basically intelligence ends up arriving at this house of a Dean Masters. The neighbors heard a woman scream and he yelled that he had a gun to, you know, and basically leave him alone. So intelligence busts in and he's Dean has the woman held hostage. He's just going on about how he's got this info on a deal going down and he thinks he's being set up. 
And so they end up convincing her him to let the girl go. But then Masters ends up killing himself before he can, like, reveal anything. In front of all of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very traumatic. So Dean, you know, Masters was originally wanted for stealing art. But Voight thinks he's like, listen, I think there's something worth pursuing. He's like, you know, especially because he mentioned like that he thought he was being set up. Like, why would he want to be, why would he be being set up if he was just stealing art? Um, So the girl that was being held hostage gets released from a hospital. And Aaron is the one that talks to her, which was definitely the right move. Because mm-hmm. the girl is very shaken and Aaron being the only girl in intelligence at this point, definitely the right move. Yep. So she mentions, because the girl is a prostitute, and but it's like her second or third time. Like, she's very new at it. And she mentions that, you know, she goes over to Master's house and he was pissed because she wasn't the girl he was looking for. And she was he was looking for this girl named Nadia. So they basically go visit Nadia's pimp and they find her. And she's in the back. And so Adam is the one that finds her. <laughs> And Adam's like, come on, well, if you come with me, like, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And she kicks Adam straight in the balls and ends up escaping. This is where that clip comes from of Jesse kicking Patty because he's got the cup. Oh, my God. I just put two and two together. Probably. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's really funny. And then escapes. And he has, like... I mean, I know that, it, I mean, I don't know, but guys say that it hurts. But, <laughs> like, Adam, or um, Patty, I should say, Patty's, like, over-the-top dramatic reaction. It's like, oh, oh. It's, like, almost like he's dying. Like, it's just. Well, the yeah. moment back at the, the moment back at, uh, at 21 is what cracks me up. And he's just sitting there with, like, the ice pack. And Jay is just, like, Jay can't help but laugh as he sees Antonio. And he's just, like, you okay there? Like, and he's like, I swear, he's like, if I'm sterile, he's like, Winnie and I want to have kids. I swear to God. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dramatic, Adam. Yeah. So the uniforms end up picking Nadia and bringing her. They find her. Uniforms end up picking her and you know, bringing her in. She's, like, basically 18 at this point, which is crazy to think about. So she, again, like, wasn't timeline. even 20 when she died. Because it wasn't Yates season timeline. two. Yes, she dies at the end of season two. Oh, man. So she was only like 19. Yeah, yeah timeline. So yeah, she's only 18. Um, And she mentions Dean, you know, that Dean was the sharing type. And she basically gives them another name, Noel Harris. So they go to Harris's place of work they find him dead on the floor which no surprise but basically they find that he was making fake money so they go back to master's house and see if they can find anything that kind of goes along with that and they find a secret room with more of the fake money supplies so they figure out that noel and dean were working together on fake money so jin because we barely i didn't realize how little jin is actually in these episodes every time he pops pops up up. like a he just pops up for like a scene or two and then goes back in his hole. Literally, my thought every single time I see Jen is, oh yeah, Jen is still here at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's gonna be us every episode until he dies for the for the next like 10 episodes. No, but but like, actually oh, yeah, every scene, I'm just like, oh Jen. Yeah. But I was just surprised. I guess I thought he was around more. I did too. But like 
I guess he's not like he only pops up, but like I guess that makes sense because he's the tech guy. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I don't know. I just in my mind I had that he was a bigger role and he's not so far. <laughs> nope. So anyway, but so Jen finds that Nadia and Masters basically so that she was lying. She was like, Oh, well, I didn't really know Masters. Jen finds out that she was lying because they basically exchanged like tons and tons of text messages. So Aaron goes to ask Nadia about it as she's coming off her high. And Aaron's like, look, like I will give you more. I will get you, I will get you your fix again if you just give me what I want. So Nadia says that there are some guys with guns who walked up to the house the other day while she was there and said they would kill her if she talked. And she's like, I don't know what I I didn't know what they looked like. They were wearing masks. She's like, all I know is I saw a guy get into a van with a Jesus fish painted on it. It's like, okay. So they end up finding the van and it's, of course, registered to a church. So intelligence goes and breaks in and they find like a bunch of money, like a ton of money. But no plates, no papers, no signs of printing. So they bring the reverend in for questioning. And they ask him about Noel and Masters. And basically what they find out is that the reverend, so the people and the people at the church, were contracted to do the hit on Noel by this name man named Glenn Ward. And Ward, of course, did time for counterfeiting. and But they're like, all right, well, we don't know how Ward, though, ties into Masters and Noel. Like how they all got hooked up together. So... They end up finding the fact they were like, oh, well, Glenn Ward just signed a lease on a new building. Like, let's go check it out. So basically, a long story short, they end up in a massive shootout, take Glenn down, recover all the money, yada, 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 case closed. Basically, that's how this ends. Um, but the episode does end. Nadia, Aaron takes Nadia to get her score, as promised. And But there's a clinic across the street. And Aaron's like, listen, like you're sober right the second. Like, you have to make the choice on what to do. You can either go get your fix or you can walk across the street and get, you know, get sober. And she's like, listen, like, here's my card. And she says, if you want a better life than what you've got, I will help you get to the other side. Like, I promise. We tried so hard to come full circle. I know. I know. Poor Nadia. <laughs> That's another one who got done so dirty. I know. Poor one out for Nadia. Oh, indeed indeed and it's like think about how crazy like we could have like we could have had nadia become you know actually go through the academy like we could have had so many things we really could have and all that stuff mm -hmm. sad yeah no, i'm just sad <laughs> what's even sadder now is that we're going from one dead character to two more yeah I didn't even oh, think sad. about it like that. But yeah. 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 Cause next up is Olinsky. So Al is doing some work on the garage. There's one dead character. And Lexi shows up. There's two. Cause Al and Lexi are both in Chicago Heaven. First Lexi appearance. Yes. First Lexi appearance. First Lexi appearance indeed. Yep. So she shows up and just references the agreement that he made with his ex. And she's just like, why didn't you get your own apartment? And Al just says, he's like, I didn't move to the garage to get away from your mother. I did it to be closer to you. And so Al walks into the Is 21st. Is this the first time we get the reference about the garage? I like think so. Like he lives in the garage? Well, no, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I think so too. Adam, because Adam makes a crack about it when I, I think like he's telling Al about Wendy or something mm -hmm. and he and adam's like no offense i'm not going to take relationship advice from the guy who lives mm -hmm. in the garage yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's happened before. But yeah. So Al walks yeah. into the 21st. Platt basically is like, hey, there's a call from Lexi's school. They found joints in Lexi's locker. So now she's suspended for a week. But she swears they were not hers. So Al brings in the guy Lexi has been seeing to the district because we're pretty sure it's him. So he also says, he's like, I don't know anything about the joints. And so Al texts, Al takes her phone and tells the boyfriend what to text Lexi back. And Lexi's text reveals that the joints were indeed for him. And so Al threatens him as just like, I never want to see you again. And, you know, Lexi's pissed. And she yeah. said, and, and Al's just like, he doesn't deserve you. And Lexi just doesn't want to hear anything. And so, uh, yeah, Lexi shows up in her dress at the end for the father-daughter dance, but she's suspended. So they dance outside the garage. It's so cute. It is so cute. And and Lexi just says, I don't want you to get an apartment. It's so cute. And then it just makes me sad all over again. So sad. But also, the guy she was dating, oh, he got off so easy. Because all all I had to do was piggyback that with Hank. Yeah. And that kid would have been scared shitless. Yeah. He got off. I mean, he was already scared shitless just for Al. So, like. Yeah. He just, he could have made it worse if he really wanted. He could have made it way worse. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being Lexi and having your dad and Uncle Hank. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I know. I know. That would be hard. That would be really hard. Yeah. Oh, man. So last up, we've got the Bridgewaters. Little babies. Little babies. Go ahead. In a iconic storyline. I've always remembered the storyline. I remember what Kev said at the end. Yeah. No, I definitely remember the woman. I, I remember the storyline. I don't think I necessarily remembered it was 104, like that early, but mm-hmm. I definitely remember the storyline. Um, so, yeah, basically, an old lady's given a citation to basically clean up her place. And so, Birdwater has to go see, like, whether she's made any progress or not, because they gave her 30 days. And basically, if she hasn't made any progress, then they have to arrest her. So... They show up and it looks like she's made no progress. And Kevin mentions the arresting her and Burgess. Burgess is Burgess and she has sympathy for the woman and basically is like, see that can and pick it up. Take that banana peel, put it in the can. And she does it and she's like, okay, good for me. Like, it's fine. And so basically they give her a warning and they're basically like, start actually cleaning up or like, we won't be here to help you next time. So, later on, they're back in the district, and Platt goes on them about, basically, the fact that they let the lady go. And Platt's like, listen, you guys go back there, and basically, she should have made her house spotless, or she's getting arrested. So, they go back, and Kevin's like, let me deal with it this time. And so, they go back, and the lady's like, look, like, I made a small dent in the cleaning. And, you know, but they're like, listen, like, that's not really enough. Like, we're still going to have to arrest you. And while Kevin and the lady are having this conversation, Burgess hears something, you know, in the distance and decides to go investigate. And basically what she ends up finding is the woman had kidnapped a child and held him hostage. And I forgot about this one. Yep. Yeah. No, I didn't remember. I remember this one. Because um, it's like crazy. It's like, oh, yeah, a hoarder situation. And it's like, oh, no, it ends up with the child being kidnapped. Yeah, I know. Definitely forgot about this one. Yeah. 
And basically, you know, later on, as they're heading out of the district for the day, Platt gives Burgess and Atwater congratulations. Um, but Burgess is really feeling down about it. She's like, what if they never found him? Like, what, you know, if I let her go, you know, we weren't planning on coming back. Like, I let her go and we weren't planning on coming back. And um, Burgess says, you know, sometimes I think I'm too nice to be a cop. And Kevin's like, you have a big heart. Don't apologize for that. I'm glad she's turned that into an asset. Yeah. Because she definitely has. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. I and miss yeah, her. That's the, that's the Burge Waters. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Quick stuff. But yeah, it's like, again, the early episodes of PD are like, everybody's got something going on for the most part. A lot of yeah. them do. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yep. So. Yeah. Any other notes on PD? No. Just, I mean, another good episode. Yeah, we're we're gaining momentum as we get through these first four episodes. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah, um, that's about all we've got for today. I don't really have anything profound to wrap it up with. I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's that's episodes. a solid a solid round of episodes. Yeah, yeah, solid. So, yeah, that's about all we've got. So, um, as always, you know where to find us: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. Meet us always everywhere. Email us anytime about anything. If you've got thoughts about these old episodes, please do message us. Let us know. Yeah, we're around for sure. Yeah. It's not like we're watching one Chicago on Wednesday nights, y'all. So yeah, yeah, hit us up. Um, send us an email anytime. Gina or Gina Z. No, I was about to give you my personal email <laughs> or my Twitter. Uh, what was I about to do? Okay, wait, that's not even my Twitter. Whatever. Okay, um, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. That is our email. I had to think about that. Yeah, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what we're. I, we don't know what we're, we're we're doing in the next coming weeks. Um. Not this coming week, but next week, I am going to Europe. So we will not have episodes in that time period. Um, just stand by. Keep an eye on Twitter. We'll let you know what's going on there. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I'm at Bryna K13. And yeah, that's about it. So everybody have a great week. And we will see you later. Bye. <laughs>